Hello, 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 and welcome to the latest episode of Film Fives with me, Russell Guyver, and with him, Phil Newman. Hello, Phil. Good evening. It's good to be back. Yeah, although I've seen you socially since, it's been a while since we've had one, and uh, we released the second part of our Lauren and Hardy, the features. Yeah, that was good. Early, I enjoyed early, that. Yeah, but actually me, seeing you online for one of these, it's been a while. couple of months, yeah. Yeah, what will be our, um, let me have a look, our 20th episode, Take 20. And it is a slightly delayed um, films of 2022. Well, we can say that we had the Oscars last night, so we can actually know which one's won now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so so we, we, we've got an excuse. We timed it like this on purpose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and we are here to... Not decide. that we really pay much attention to what goes on at the Oscars, apart well, from no. complaining about it every now and then. Do you know what? I, for the first time, I think, ever, I recorded the live coverage of it and watched the first hour, then went to bed and haven't seen the rest. And I don't know most of what's happened after that first hour, if you see you what I mean. You must know all the winners and stuff, don't you? No. No, not really. I mean, do you want, do you want to know? Or well, if you need not? to plot spoil it as part of the pod, that's fine. But um, yeah. don't go out of the way. Okay, <laughs> so we'll watch it later. Um, there was one like, film in particular that cleared up that we're probably going to be mentioning at some point. But so then, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll um, you did very well to uh, avoid all media today to not not see that. Yeah, well, you know. for you to have it ruined by me later on. No, honestly, it's fine. You can say what you want. That's okay. <laughs> um, so this is our films of 2022. And as with the previous two, I think we've done of these um, in previous years, um, it's based on the UK release date as stated on IMDb. Yeah. So that's, that's our right, stipulation yeah. for 2022. A lot of these films might be classified as 2021. That's when they were made or or whatnot. But um, but these are when they're released. Um, for example, yeah. one, film, one film which didn't make my top five, but um, the, ele- the Electrical Life of... Um, Louis Wayne with Benedict Cumberbatch was yeah. released on the 1st of January last year. And I was sure that was the previous year. Yeah. Um, it was this year. Yeah. So I don't know oh, if okay. we'll or not. But um, anyway, that's um, that's one thing for, for mention. So that's our criteria. And then it's just purely films that were released for the first time uh, within that time frame. Yes. And uh, Phil, you're, you've got an introduction for us, haven't you? So yeah, so... Um... Interesting year. So we we were still, I mean, early 2022, 2022, we were still in lockdown. I mean, a lot, a lot of, a lot of the world was the UK part of that. So, um, cinematic attendances across Europe went up by something like two thirds in 2022 compared to previous years, although there's still about 35%. Uh, emissions are uh, b- below the sort of average from 2017 to 2019 i.e pre-covid so we're still not where we were um the biggest films at the box office i've done the top 10 i'll run for it very very quickly it is quite depressing um, and inevitable top 10 is moon man a chinese film i've never heard of nine is the battle of lake changjin 2 another chinese film which i think the first one was the year before was one of the top films uh, yeah. around the world and then of the the eight western films that make up the top eight every single one is a sequel and four of them, um, and half of them, yeah, are superhero films. So in descending order, it's Thor, Love and Thunder, Bat- The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Minions, The Rise of Gru, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Jurassic World Dominion, Top Gun Maverick, and Avatar The Way of Water at number one. All kind of inevitable and quite depressing. I'm hoping this year we might get some films that aren't sequels. 
I'm looking forward to Killers of the Flower Moon by Scorsese. Uh, Christopher Nolan's got Oppenheimer coming out. I'm hoping we might get some something a little bit more original, kind of crack into that yeah. into that uh, top ten this year. Nice. We, we 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 shall see. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much all I've got. The only other notable um, people that we lost in 2022, uh, rather sadly, we lost. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich, Sidney Poitier, Ivan Reitman, Wolfgang Peterson, Vangelis, uh, Ray Liotta, James Kahn, Jean-Luc Goddard, Bernard Cribbins, Leslie Phillips and Kirstie Alley. And of those, Bernie Cribbins feels the most tragic of the lot, the most lovable looking kind of man on TV, really, as um, yeah. uh, TV and film. Yeah, there's, there's loads. I mean, did you say Poitier, you did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a whole list of. It was a really bad year for for that. Actually, there's loads of other people uh, from the world of, well, just just art in general. Did, uh, did yeah. you mention William Hurt as well? No, I missed him. Yeah, he died. Um, there's a few others in here. I've got a list of them, but um, I'm probably going to duplicate on you on a few times if I mention too many. But um, yeah, I mean, he he died. There was um, he said Van Gelis died. You mentioned Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta, yeah, a bit of a, yeah, shame. It was a shock. Famous, of course, for Goodfellas. I, I saw that. Um, he did a TV miniseries called Blackbird, I think it was called, that was on Apple. That was his last thing that he did. I think he was kind of, you know, quite ill when he was filming, which was great. Um, and that was the sort, of, the sort of last thing we got to see him in, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, two others. I'm not sure if you mentioned them because I got caught out there with you suddenly reading a list off. David yeah. Warner. Did you say David Warner? Oh, God, yeah, I forgot about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, he's, a pro- he's one of my proper cult actors, uh, if you're not what? sure who David Warner is, then he turns up in about every 70s and 80s British horror film. He's the guy who had his head cut off by a shard of glass in The Omen. Yes, he's been in right. loads of Star Trek and Babylon 5 and stuff like that. Also notably in Straw Dogs as well. He's great in that. Olivia Newton-John went. And there was also Anne Hecht. Um, who oh, died, yeah. She died off, but she was um, pretty young to be. Yeah. James Kahn. I was gutted with James Kahn. Um, classic actor for a load of yeah. films, very notable in the 70s, but also going strong way after that as well. But um, I watched The Godfather re-release this year. I don't think we can count things like that in no. our top fives, but what a film that is. It hasn't lost any of its beauty and its perfection. And James Kahn is one of the main side characters, I suppose. You, yeah. The main side roles. Yeah, Sunny. It's brilliant in that. Um, yeah, there's, there's quite a few more besides as well, but um, yeah, I mean it's 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 been a yeah, bad year for that, but it's, it's good you mentioned that because I didn't think about uh, talking about the obituaries, but yeah, yes, may they all rest in peace. But they've all contributed mm. to the fine and wonderful world of film and cinema. Exactly. Yeah. So I've uh, just a couple of other notes from what you just said. I mean, those Chinese films, I've not heard of those before. It's, they, yeah, I mean, it's strange but, they haven't. They they must have some kind of non western distributor or what i don't know i do know that quite a lot of the big budget chinese films are made but um and sponsored by chinese government i don't know if that's got anything to do with it or not they can um, be good despite that Maybe. yeah no 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 definitely yeah i mean some of them you you have directors and uh actors actors that i mean i think that one of those i think last year Choi hart was directed one of them i've seen loads of his kung fu films um so yeah, um, maybe they maybe we'll, we'll get around to see them one day. But they're not they're not streaming anywhere really <laughs> that I can pick up anywhere at the moment. And I have to confess, on the matter of superhero movies and the, the Marvel films, um, I watched and enjoyed the Batman. I won't tell you if it features in my five or not until later. But 
Uh, the rest of the stuff you listed, I've, I don't think I've seen any of it. I've, I've fallen out of love with well, the marble. See, I, I was quite looking forward. I, I mean, I'm not a big fan, um, but I was quite looking forward to Thor Love and Thunder because it's Taika Waititi did it. And oh, I yeah. particularly loved the Thor Ragnarok they did. I thought that was fantastic. That's probably my favourite superhero sort yeah. of film. Oh, okay. And it was just a lot of bang and not much buck really it was just completely over the top and a bit of a mess and i didn't really there was there were some amusing bits and some fun bits and some of it was all right but yeah yeah it, I, it was almost instantly forgettable you asked me you know six months later what it was like oh, i can't really remember anything about it so yeah I've, I've never been a massive um marvel universe fan as such but i've enjoyed oh, it i quite like i quite like the ant-man films and i like the guardians of the galaxy films and but yes. all the other ones sort of follow a kind of rather for me uh and apologies if they're your thing a rather kind of sort of stale predictable formula mm-hmm. um but De- deadpool films is good as well deadpool. yeah i love that yeah i quite like the <laughs> iron man films actually as well i thought they were above yeah, all right people. yeah but um yeah so anyone that's more into it than, than that apologies we don't want to yeah. by both not being into that much but anyway but there we go I'll give them, i have to watch all of them i've teenage daughters so i've seen most of them <laughs> so i've got quite a working good working knowledge of them yeah i think part of my issue is i've, I've just my head's gone with what's the orders and what, what relates to what now and i yeah. can't I, what i do have a problem with is um narrative memory i, I remember remembering details films even now looking back on last year's films remembering how how much I enjoyed them is is easy enough, but remembering yeah. exactly what happened. Um, obviously, if I watch them again, I'll recall as I'm going. But yeah. if I have to recall a, a, a sizable number of details of any film, barring a few exceptional cases, I just can't remember that much. It's weird. I just, yeah, old man. I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was like I've been like this for years though. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, and I can't remember the order, but we do think that I I started second. Yeah. Month. So before like we kick a, off. I yeah. would like to say I'm on the Curious Brewery IPA. How very curious. It's a brewery I'd heard of before, and it's very nice indeed. Any idea where that's it from? Is. Where where else? Does it say? Because that sounds very well. It is, but it's got a dark label when I <laughs> <laughs> Who's the old man now, Phil? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 exactly. I can't disagree. <laughs> well, no, I will find that, out. I, I'm drinking from it's the a zesty and refreshing triple hot session IPA. Well, there we go. Well, I, I'm drinking Iron Pier Brewery from Gravesend area in Kent. Uh, they, I'm drinking their um, what I'm pre- presuming is BA rather than Bar BA Harvest Ale, um, which is all right. All of Iron Pier stuff is good. None of it's blown me away, but this is it's all of it is serviceably good, and this is. Uh, the latest one I'm trying in a tin, and it's uh, it's all right, yeah. So cheers, welcome oh, cheers. to everybody for this podcast. And here we go with our fives. Now we can now get into it, and it's over to me first of all. So, um, I mean, I think it's over to me. You you might say yes if you do. Yep. I'll say nope <laughs> because I've got nope at number five, um, which of course is the latest film from. Uh, well, one of the most, I suppose you could say one of the most interesting filmmakers. It, it, this was the, when going in this time, kind of last year, going into 2022, of the knowledge of what films were coming up, this was the film that I was looking forward to the most. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Jordan Peele is fantastic. He's yeah. kind of almost got that Quentin Tarantino, Christopher Nolan thing where his films almost, are kind of like a, an event they're like almost they're not a kind of a, they're kind of almost like a not a sequel but you know you kind of roughly know what you're going to get and you know it's going to be great 
Yes, exactly. Yeah, and it, I mean, he, he he does acting stuff as well. He even did voice yeah. the animated film called Wendell and Wild, and he's one of the key voices on that. Yeah, um, which I, I caught late in the day, just um, just before we started doing the podcast. Um, yeah, Jordan Peele. I mean, of course, he's done uh, Get Out and Up and stuff like that. And it's, Us. Uh, sorry, it's a very different film. <laughs> he's definitely <laughs> up. Yeah, that's right. Yes, good point. Yeah, yeah Get Out and and Us. Um, love those films. Absolutely yeah. love them. This one, I would say I loved less, but that's not to say I didn't love it. I thought it was a great film. It was an interesting film. As with all of his stuff, he leaves you in a, in a predicament. You, you're wondering what's going on. You wonder if there's a vibe about his films, isn't there? As you said, you, you, yeah, um, but you also, his films are the kind of films that a week later, two weeks later, three weeks later, you're still thinking about. And exactly. I love that. I really do. I'm always an advocate of films that do that, that leave you either just thinking about it and pondering or questioning and talking about or both. Uh, and it certainly does this again. I mean, the general, um, the, the general synopsis of it is that, um, essentially random objects are <laughs> falling out of the sky. Um, there's a setting. It's sort of like a, a it's a, it's a Western setting effectively. So Wikipedia, Wikipedia. Obviously, this has got me written all over it. Wikipedia calls this a neo-Western sci-fi horror. Yeah, that's about... Yeah, that's, about that's me. About. I'm all in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're working at a ranch. Um, they've got some um, animals they're keeping, and they've got uh, fairly nearby. There's some it's a brother and sister, isn't it, that are working on a, on a, a ranch? OJ yeah. and Emerald, yeah. And their dad's hit, hit by one of the uh, items falling from the sky. is killed right at the beginning, isn't he? Yes. And so they they decide they're going to try and work, capture video evidence of, it, of what they believe is a UFO uh, that's flying around over their land uh, with the help of a local tech salesman uh, and a local documentary, sort of revered local documentary filmmaker. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've got the feeling you've got this higher up your list. We'll find out later. It, on. It's, it might be on my list, yeah. Because <laughs> you seem to have a lot of um, a lot of notes already handy. <laughs> this has, I mean, um, I like the fact that you know it's set as a western. You've got two black characters, that the brother and sister, as the main the main two, um, and I've called it. Of course, it's um, Daniel Kaluuya again, isn't it? Yeah. Um, in the, in the in the main male, I role. think the part was written for him. I think, well, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. And he's getting a lot of these roles now in the states, over in the states. Um, I like that element. I like the the ambiguity, the what the hell's going on element. You've got a see that there's some stuff going on to do with a chimpanzee. If you haven't seen the film, we won't go into too much detail. There's a chimpanzee who seems to have been a a TV star as part of some sort of family. Was it a sitcom? I think it was. So, um, yeah, and he essentially some kind of tragedies occurred and you wonder what what's involved in that and you eventually yeah. find out later on yeah and it's got that really odd element to it the the ufo stuff's quite surreal as well because you're not quite sure if this is real or not or imagined and uh, the whole thing of being swallowed by this ufo which happens at one point and it's almost as if is this a living we'll try not to go into too many spoilers oh, but yeah. yeah 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 but just there's there's stuff yeah. like that there's um there's a fairground which has this you know this it's kind Stephen of Yun, isn't it? um is the owner yeah. of the nearby sort of theme park which is also kind of UFO uh, obsessed yeah yeah he's great um, in this as well yeah we I, I, don't, I said we don't want to go into too much detail because it 
to talk about it in too much is to describe it uh, to the point where you kind of miss some of the treats as you as the story unfolds if you watch it. So won't say much more than that, other than I think it's up to scratch. It's not quite as good as his earlier stuff, but I think the bar is so high. It's certainly more cinematic than his early stuff. Some of the sort of the visitors and and the, and the kind yeah. of action scenes towards the end are absolutely brilliant. Oh. You, you kind of you kind of you could tell with Get Out and Us, he was kind of finding his directorial style, and you kind of you can see with this that he's got the chops to do more than just yeah. sort of a horror thriller. He's he can, he can handle kind of all kinds of things. I'm really interested to know what he's going to do next. Exactly. I was going to say I'm excited and confident uh, about what he's going to do next. I think uh, the next three, four, five, six films, there might be a dud here or there, but you know he's going to go on to do more and more interesting stuff, probably more varied stuff. He's opening yeah. up his, um, his kind of songbook, so to speak, isn't he, a bit? And I think it's going to go in different directions. You can see he's playing around with... Uh, with with subject matter and the the narratives are going off in a different little bit of a different direction. Yeah, um, yeah I mean he does address racism a lot. I mean there are there are quite a lot of themes for this film. He he does address um, how kind of the black contribution to cinema has kind of been airbrushed out of a lot of history. Yeah. He he mentions that, but I think the main kind of themes in this are kind of spectacle and our addiction to it and uh wanting wanting it um i think as i understand it from reading up so he he wrote this kind of in response to covid i mean quite a lot of films that will come out this year and he wanted to bring people back to the cinema and wanted to create something that would people would come and see and it's got that it's definitely got that kind of close encounters vibe i'd say there's there's a lot of spielberg in this film he said kind of, he quote, well, he, he, his main influences, uh, he says, a King Kong, Jurassic Park, Close Encounters, Signs and the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> As influences for this film. The main inspirations yeah. for the for this film, yeah. 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 I'm not surprised, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense as well. Um, and also there's there's an emphasis on photography, obviously you're talking about yeah. capture what the hell this is and try and get some kind of evidential mm. um, you know, thing going on. And then you've got this this rather odd maverick character turns up in the story who is uh, supposedly a professional photographer and he's doing all sorts Endless of... Holst, that's yeah. the name, isn't it? That sounds like yeah. a character from a Coen Brothers film. Yeah. So what, what did you make of that, by the way, out of, out of interest? Because that, that was a quite... Some people didn't like that element of it. They thought it went off... A little bit of a tangent. I quite liked it. I thought, I thought it was great. It was completely different. It was Michael Wincott who played him, who who yeah. played basically every single baddie in nineteen eighties, early nineteen nineties films. Yeah. And I don't think I've seen him do anything in about thirty years. Well, and then he's suddenly kind of come back and playing this, you, you know, world weary, some... uh, world weary kind of documentary film paper filmmaker obsessed yeah, with the perfect exactly. shots you know you talked about this event release cinema stuff and you mentioned tarantino isn't that kind of a little bit of a trait of what tarantino did uh yeah. like people like robert forster and jackie brown and uh and obviously he's got Greer, yeah kurt russell and people like that he's brought them back into the fore yeah being cult hero status actors of a decade or two earlier it's quite interesting that michael wincott is one that's come up i'm expecting to see people like um uh, what's the guy that did Henry Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer? Is that is that is that him? That's not him, is it? What, the the actor, or the actor. Yeah, I've forgotten his name now. Uh, but people like Guardi- the guy from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, Michael yeah, Rooker. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah, Michael Rooker. People like that. They, I could see them popping up in his later films, Tarantino style. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, probably pop up in Tarantino films to be honest as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, Nope's my number five. I really liked it. 
Um, I've only seen it the once at the cinema on release. I would like to see it again. And I think it's one of those films that probably would benefit a second or, or yeah. beyond second uh, viewing. So I can only speak from a first viewing perspective, but so far, so good. Uh, yeah, I also... Yes from me. <laughs> yeah, um, I love this film. It might be appearing later, as you can tell. And one other thing I really liked about it, the soundtrack I thought was great. Um, it's uh, Michael Abel's frequent collaborator with Peel. Um, he kind of uses music to match the kind of threat level but he also uses a lot of silence really, really kind of carefully and skillfully kind of has these sort of silent passages to kind of up the tension and up the threat and the way way it's all handled is fantastic. I did not get to see this at the cinema, unfortunately. I wish I had. It's really, uh, this is definitely a a big screen type film. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, I'll talk later about um, some other films, whether it be in the five or not, because I know you, you know that I've just caught a film at the cinema recently. I won't say for your benefit, I won't say yet whether it's uh, in the top five or not, but there's certain films I wanted to see in, at the cinema and you just know they're better yeah. at the cinema. And uh, obviously, well, anything that's made um, as a mainstream film or, or a decent budget film is going to be better on the cinema. Films like um, Clockwork Orange and Reservoir Dogs are great anyway, but they're immeasurably better on the big screen. Yeah. I've seen them on both, and I think, wow, what a difference actually it makes. And yeah. I really hope cinema isn't isn't dead as a, as a. So a lot of the streaming platforms, they they are getting better that they are giving limited releases now. Mm. Sometimes you do get the opportunity to see some films at the cinema, yeah. but you kind of have to get in there quick. I think yeah. it is the usual case, unfortunately. I think so. And my number four, I think I really wish I'd seen that at the cinema, but we'll come to that in a moment. Uh, but if unless you've got any further comments on... So, no- yeah, I mean, I don't really care about awards so much, but I'm always quite curious about what Rotten Tomatoes, obviously they they kind of give an average grade out to films. I've, I've made a, a note of uh, Rotten Tomato scores for uh, all the films that may or may not be on my list. Um, yeah it got 83 percent, which is pretty high so you know there's a lot of acclaim and a lot of love for this film and i thought it was great excellent brilliant so we'll we'll see where you you place that in your five in a while but let's see what you've got at number five so for my number five i've gone for the world's least sexiest director ron howard his new film 13 lives he gets a he gets a a bad rep Ron Howard. He makes so many good films, but he, nobody seems to put him on any directorial lists or awards or anything. But everything he makes is is watchable and good, and he knows that he, he knows his way around a camera and around a script and around getting performances. And I thought this is the best thing he's done in years. Um, well, I've, I've got to confess before you go any further, I've not seen this film, so I cannot oh, okay. comment on it. But what I will say is, he is a very solid director, isn't he? He's he, he's a really go to guy that I think all of the Hollywood producers trust. All the yeah, well, trust. so when when um, they were making uh, the Han Solo film and they had the falling out with um, Miller and Lord, and they were kind of departed the project, he was the guy they brought in, you know, the safe pair of hands to kind of see over the over the finishing line. Yeah. So for those not aware, this is the true story of the rescue mission assembled in Thailand, where a group of young boys and their soccer coach are trapped in a a series of underground caves that are flooding. Oh, yes, that's it. Yeah. So this happened a few years ago. It starts starts at the beginning. It's a woman's birthday party. The boys will go out to play football. 
they could go into some clay to some caves that are nearby have a little look around it starts raining they're trapped how do you get them out they're a long way underground there's the water's still coming down the rain's still coming down what are you going to do about it well obviously you need to get in um british divers played by a dane and an irishman um so yeah the british dive the the true the, the actual true real life people um were played are played by um vigo mortensen and colin farrell who are both great vigo mortensen does this really good line now in kind of gruff uh, difficult you know um kind of a cantankerous old man um who's again so the two of them are, are basically they're not professional divers or anything like that it's just something they they do for fun and they're very very good at it um and they and when they get asked who else they need to bring they want to bring somebody else in to help them out they bring in an australian diver who's played by joel edgerton um who they bring along who's just some guy they've heard of from like internet message boards as being a good diver so they bring him along um it's 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 i mean it's a couple of hours and the most of it's underground and it's lots of people underwater trying to get to caves and through this little gap and through that little gap it's pretty much exactly as it's expected to be but the level of tension um, and the way it ramps up throughout the film i thought it was fantastically really really well done um it's i think it was absolutely gripping i watched it with my kids and you know their phones were put down and they sat and they watched it and they they absorbed every single frame of it and were completely completely gripping um all the way through um and then the last the sort of the last third where they bring the children out uh don't read about it before you watch it the way that they actually did it <laughs> the way that they the way that it kind of happens it's very cinematic um i didn't get to see this at the, at the cinema it had a very short um cinema run before streaming on amazon um it's a film that would have been really good i think at the cinema yeah it was intended for a larger cinema release um, and got the best test scores in MGM's history. And then Amazon bought MGM and thought, oh, we're just going to stick it out. Oh, it's a sad thing, really. This, this, is the pro- this is the one thing I do have an issue with in the modern era is I don't mind the streaming stuff. I don't mind that they're, people like Netflix are developing a lot of interesting stuff on film for film, and it's on limited release. Up to a point, I don't mind that. But I, things have become very fragmented, haven't they? And it's all become yeah. a bit messy in terms of what's out and when and yeah what what should be out i mean netflix produced all quiet on the western front which is yeah. a film of enormous scope and epic scale and 100 percent, it's a cinema type film oh definitely it's made by netflix and it's got quite a limited release uh and even with the oscars uh coming up and you know the, this past week or so as, as we're talking um you know it's hard to find that at the cinema i didn't see any of my top five at the cinema I went, yeah. I, did, I went to That's cinema, up, I don't it? know, a dozen times, 12, 15 times last year. Yeah, I didn't see any of my top five there, mainly because I have to go and watch Teenage Fair and <laughs> all go on my own. One, <laughs> one, day, one day, Phil, on these podcasts, <laughs> it won't be a sentence you'll have to utter. But at the moment, it probably yeah. still <laughs> But if you haven't seen it, if you've got um, Amazon Prime Video, it's on there. If you haven't seen it and you want a really good couple of hours a really tight taut thriller um it's it's probably it's the best of that type that came out in 2022 in my in my opinion really good really good performances colin farrell and and viggo morrison are excellent joel edgerton comes on he's great 
there's a lot of Thai actors who I didn't recognise whose names I can't pronounce very well, so I won't try. But when the way, and it's not one of these films where the Europeans come in and save everybody. They've got uh, lots and lots of other people, the Thai, Thai locals, kind of trying to dig down from above, and lots and other things going on. Um, yeah, uh, it would be a, a good companion piece with uh, Ace in the Hole that we talked about on our Billy Wilder. Yes. Yeah, sounds very intriguing indeed, I have to say. Yeah, so okay. yeah, I, I uh, thoroughly recommend it. Yeah, as I said, I've, I've nothing more to add because I haven't seen it yet, but I, I will be checking that out now. I remember now, it's only when you mentioned it, when you started describing the narrative that I remembered yeah. uh, what that was about. I, oh yes, that was one I'd completely forgotten about. Yeah. Another one I didn't see at the time, and I didn't see this on the big screen, and I, I wish I had, is my number four. Shall I go on with that? Yeah. Ready for it? Um, I've gone for Blonde, uh, which is the story, with an abstract um, styled way of telling uh, an, a, what, a biographic account of uh, Marilyn Monroe's uh, life and career. Um, it's an extraordinary film. It's two hours and 47 minutes. I've got to be honest, I haven't seen it, and the critical reception and length played quite a large okay. part in my not getting around to seeing it. Fair enough. Fair but enough. I, I'm happy to uh, be uh, convinced otherwise and check well, it out he, next week. He, here's, here's, here's what happened with me. So um, for anyone that listens to Kermode Mayo's uh, hugely popular film podcast, um I think Kermo quite liked it. He's a film critic, of course, um, quite yeah. liked it. But he, he described it as saying, well, you you can enjoy this film if you don't go in expecting a conventional biopic about Marilyn yeah. Monroe. Because if you do, you're going to be very surprised and probably okay. quite disappointed. Because what it is, is um, it's it's completely not that. It, it It is about Marilyn Monroe. It is depicting the various elements of her life. There is a very strong possibility, and I'm not prone to the details too much, but there's a strong possibility that these these uh, include exaggerations, distortions, possibly, of the reality. But I think what it does through dream sequences, uh, they have changes in film format. They go from uh, widescreen to 16 millimeter framed shots. It goes yeah. from color to black and white and back again. It's technically very inventive. Almost you feel slightly too conscious of the process. You spot the things and you almost... The, um, the Baz Luhrmann Elvis film was a bit like that. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. We'll probably talk about Elvis later. We'll definitely talk about Elvis later one way or the yeah. other. Um, yeah, it's... I mean, Baz Luhrmann, it's very much like what Baz Luhrmann does. He screws around with stuff on purpose. He's punching around, yeah. kind of getting your attention. This is um, a film which does that, but it does it in a different kind of way to Luhrmann. Um I think it's creating a sense of the horror. And what Kermode said was you have to approach this film as pretty much like a horror film. If you go okay. in thinking it's a horror film, you'll probably enjoy it because I think it it taps into what it must have felt like for her. A lot of this okay. will be exaggeration, but I think it's dream sequences, imagined scenarios, there's recollections come back, there's there's flashbacks suddenly in little little flash editing of, of flashbacks of scenes either yeah. that we've seen before or that are suddenly thrown on us. Um, it, it takes it fairly chronologically, I would say. It talks about her traumatic childhood. By all accounts, her mum was mentally ill. Uh, she was a single mum. The dad wasn't around and um, the daughter didn't know who the dad was and never did find out. And 
the the mother gets committed she ends up in an orphanage and eventually uh she obviously as we know comes to become a, a major film star but as norma jean baker before she's well known uh she was just a troubled girl yeah. who was fatherless had a, a real hang-up about the fact her father wasn't around her mum had made up stories um according to this film anyway to try and uh say oh your father's there he's going to come back one day and she she kept trying to reassure her in that way and according to the story and according to the film that's a hang-up that therefore sticks with her through her life she has this daddy complex she calls her husband's daddy which by all accounts oh, okay. is, is correct um she had this longing for this for, for the she dad. had a lot of older men as well didn't she older uh, men exactly yeah yeah Harold Pinter and JFK yeah, yeah. She she is one hundred percent a a classic, uh, you know, a, a brilliant case study for Freud or any other psychologist because she comes from a troubled background. Uh, she made her way into Hollywood, but she was, by all accounts, a victim of the uh, casting couch, essentially in one form or another. You could describe as rape, um, and she made her way into film that way, and that is depicted quite. I wouldn't say excessively, but it's it's pretty punchy the way it shows it um not necessarily graphic but it's just just more about the way it shows yeah it, it just really hits home and there's a load of other things that are going on she, she's clearly badly um treated and her career comes first she's made it she becomes Marilyn Monroe obviously her backstory comes into the equation at certain points and yeah, she goes through marriages, of course, as we know, Joe DiMaggio, who's played by Bobby Cannavale, who's really good as this Italian-American guy who is very traditional and Catholic in his values, and her past, the nudie pictures that she made, yeah. which was getting on the scene, come back to haunt her. It shows the brutality. Essentially, she's been sexually abused. She's been abused by her mother, according to the story, pretty horrifically in one particular okay. respect. She's been abused by by Hollywood studio executives. Um, they they push her into an abortion. Uh, she has unhappy marriages. She has father complexes. She's got all of that. That is all documented. And it is all depicted here, but it's done in a stylist, a high stylistic way, which I was wondering and I was apprehensive whether I was going to yeah. like. Actually, I loved it. I thought it was oh, really, okay. really good. Um, to, to explain Andrew the, Dominic, the director, isn't it? The key yeah, director. Dominic. Yeah, who's an interesting. The only other film I saw by him was that the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, and exactly. that bored the hell out of me. I've got to be honest; something well, really get on with that. I, I, yeah, that again. It's a very long film. I thought that was a bit too long, and I did get a bit bored with it on that basis. But I thought it was a really good film. Yeah, interesting. It's Brad Pitt and Casey Affleck, isn't it? I think um, in, in that film. Yeah. But, um, it's I, that was too long. This was probably as long, but it, it's one of those films that fits that category of actually not being too long. A long film Good. that's too long. There's so many, so many that irritatingly are too long, sometimes far too long. This actually, I, I don't know why. I don't know if it's about the engrossment in the story. I don't know about it, the way it's shot, the way it's edited. I don't know what it is. But films, we talked about The Godfather. Yeah. Films can be very long, and they just don't feel long at all. For me, this was one of those. And I oh, saw cool. it on small screen. In fact, I saw it only two days ago, so it's fresh in the mind. Oh, brilliant. I did catch it and see it before this. Um, yeah, I mean, it did, as you said, Andrew Dominic, who's a really interesting filmmaker. I'm, again, he hasn't made that many films, has he? 
No, I wonder if that Chopper gonna... one, which is like the film that sort of launched Eric Banner's career about a long time ago now, and he's only really made a couple of films since. Well, I wonder if he's going to be like Terence Malick, another director with a K at the end of his surname, who, yeah. who doesn't make films very often at all. It could be like that, couldn't it? Um, the, the the main role, by the way, um, in terms of the cast, uh, the um, the main role, Marilyn Monroe, is played by Anna de... Uh, what's her name? I forgot my name. Anna de Arnas, yeah. Arnas, yeah, that's it, yeah. Who's not not a great likeness, um, but essentially Marilyn Monroe... Well, Norma, yeah. Norma Jean Baker. She's quite petite. Baker. Isn't she, Anna Dionis? Yeah. But I mean, actually, you put, most people will recognise her from the last James Bond film. Exactly. Yeah, where she's the, she pals up with him fighting yeah. the doesn't she? Yeah. Um, interestingly, if you look, not that I've been doing this, of course, but if you look at the newbie shots of, of Norma Jean Baker, she's not the voluptuous, busty girl you see later on. Clearly, okay. the studio did a lot of stuff towards that. And okay. she was quite young at the time as well. Um, so actually, the figure-wise, there there is a resemblance. Okay. They are actually quite similar. Um, and of course, Norma Jean Baker was a redhead who then became a blonde. And she yeah. is basically the blonde in Hollywood, isn't she? I think yeah. others could claim to the to the throne like Mae West or someone. But really, when all said and done, if you said blonde Hollywood actress, the first person you think of is Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And obviously Anna Anna Duramis in this film is um it is blonde for most of it. And it, although there's not an exact resemblance, um in certain ways there is. And I think her acting in this is brilliant. I think it's really oh, great. Stunning performance. She's really good in it. Uh, she has the vulnerability. She has the confusion of what that character must have been like. She has the um the ambiguity. Um she has the talent in there but also somehow there's she's just laced with tragedy it's all behind the eyes i think it's a superb performance um the the husband characters i mentioned joe dimaggio yeah i I said i said earlier harold pinter i meant arthur miller i'm getting my playwrights mixed up (laughs) yeah well arthur miller is the yeah the one that's yeah and he's very much the father figure he's much older than the other husbands uh played by adrian brody which is i think is a really good bit of casting yeah it's the bill has that kind of um that intelligence kind of mild mannered tall very very lean kind of figure um and he's just good in the role i think he's he's really good he's normally pretty reliable isn't he yeah because that relationship between monroe and miller didn't ever seem like it was the right fit at all no and that is depicted pretty well it, it yeah feels when you meet you see the meeting you think mm, no that doesn't fit well and then it does become plausible the way they get together uh but only on a certain superficial level which is probably exactly what happened for real yeah and those those play their parts you, you the, the john f kennedy stuff is that i mean i don't know what the background is on this we know that there's strong rumors I mean, about the relationship yeah, and all that yeah, stuff. I've, I've seen the well i've seen one of the mini series i think about it a few years ago and they had you know her being brought in through the back door of the white house and stuff like that yeah. i don't know how true to life how that I, is. I suspect it was probably pretty true yeah the depiction of jfk is that he was a a um a sexual predator <laughs> essentially he was sexually assaulting members of staff, according to some background information. Yeah, uh, he treats her like a prostitute, Marilyn Monroe, in in the scenes in this story. Yeah, and it's quite brutal. And I'm thinking, wow, this is quite powerful stuff. If you're, you're yeah. one of the former prime ministers, one of your most beloved, yeah, presidents yeah, with so-called boyish, handsome, good looks, I never think the bloke 
looks handsome, to be honest. I don't understand that at all. Yeah. I think it's quite an ugly looking bloke. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But what they've done is they've casted someone that leans in that direction, which I quite liked. The fact that he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't actually handsome, but they still say, oh, he was a handsome guy. But, you know, he's, he's both physically and particularly behaviorally very ugly. Yeah. That, that's a pretty small part of it. All of these are small parts, yeah. really. Um, but the way it carries the story through, I, I loved it. I thought it was stylistically, it could have been pretentious. It could have been yeah. over the top and it could have been too long, but I don't think it was any of those things. I okay. Think was- I will, I will watch it. Yeah. I, I yeah, I just, uh, I was, it got quite a lot of negative reviews on release, didn't it? It wasn't very well received. I don't think it did particularly well at the box office. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping that they won't stop Anadamas kind of, because she could, she could quite easily be the next, the next big, big leading lady. I think really she, yeah. she's got everything. She's brilliant. She's I'd like to see her in a lot more films. Yeah. She's funny. It's funny how dissimilar she can look in certain scenes and then similar in others. And there's one or two shots and one or two scenes where you think, wow, that's suddenly that becomes uncanny. And you think, oh yeah, that really, she's really captured mm. the, the vibe. And it shows, we mentioned Billy Wilder earlier, the, um, uh, that might have been off air actually, <laughs> but anyway, we're talking about Billy Wilder, and we and we've covered him, of course, in a previous episode. And some like it hot, which is one of uh, the, the films they show. They show the making of those films as background stuff in chronological order. And uh, you know, by the time she's making some like it hot, she's addicted to all sorts of she's all sorts of pills and pills yeah, to try alcohol, and calm her and, yeah. and keep her equalised. And um, there's a character who's affecting her performances a lot, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah, and it shows how just brutally horrendous her life must have been. Yeah. She's got this, this character called Whitey, which is presumably his surname must be White, which is the makeup artist and basically her like closest confidant during work time. And uh, clearly, she has a sort of like a a loving friendship with him, and he's looking out for her. But all that's going on around is just it just makes things only going in one direction, as of course they did. And she died tragically young. I like yeah. the way they depicted her death as well, actually, because it's um, it's understated. I, I quite like that. I think there were so many bits in this which were great. The, the, there's interesting music in there. They um, they have her singing in yeah. certain scenes, and they've they've put her in. They, they've refilmed things like Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and Some Like It Hot, exactly as the originals were. They've even put the, the they've sort of redone the titles and everything else to, so that she's in the shot as Marilyn and everything else is exactly as it would have been originally. Yeah. So a lot of work's gone into it. A lot of, I think um, the costumes, the makeup, the, um, a lot of the, the set design, all that stuff is great. Uh, the historical feel of it is very good as well. It has a sense of time as well. Um, just to mention, it's it's um, based on a best-selling novel by Joyce Carol Oates. Well, that's interesting because normally biopics are based on, you know, on, on a kind of a biography or an autobiography that's been meticulously researched and yeah yeah oh, okay. and i think it's probably suitable that it's a novel rather than a just a yeah. um, uh, piece of work um i mean the, the, there's one review here which says blonde boldly reimagines the life of one of hollywood's most enduring icons uh, marilyn monroe from her volatile childhood as norma jean through her rise to stardom and romantic entanglements blonde blurs the lines of fact and fiction to explore the widening split between her public and private selves i think that's probably the best way of summing it up actually because that's um that's pretty much what it is yeah 
it, it's an epic piece of work. I wish I'd seen it at the cinema, and I didn't. I, so I saw it a couple of days ago. Um, it's on Netflix for anyone that wants okay. to check it out, by the way. Um, and I thoroughly recommend it. I don't think it's for everyone. You may hate it, but I, I, I really liked it. I okay. Really liked it. I do find her a fascinating character. So, um, yeah, I'll give that a go. We'll have to do Marilyn Monroe at one point as a subject. So does she do, she, yeah, has she got five? <laughs> <laughs> she has. She has got Yeah, I know. Yeah, there's, got there's, there's, there's only a few big ones, isn't there, that, we, that everybody <laughs> refers to. Yeah. Um, so, um, for my number four, um, I've got Nope, which you had at number five. Right. As no surprise for you, to you whatsoever. No, no, it's just a, where it was 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 the only issue there, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's yeah. Um, any further thoughts on it, really? No, I think we covered everything earlier. Should we take a quick break and I'll get another beer? Well, that sounds like an excellent idea, Mister <laughs> Newman. Okay, we shall return in just a moment. And so to part two, where we have um, suitably re-refreshed ourselves. Yes. Beer, what are you on to now, then? Well, I'm still on this Iron Pier Brewery lock. And this time I've gone for a... This is the latest buzz thing going on with uh, beers. They're, they're doing the a Scottish whiskey vibe thing as well. So you've got the Iron Pier Brewery. Uh, I think it said Eile is the correct pronunciation, the yeah. word Eile. Eile, B.A. Imperial Stout. And it's very thick and it's very dark. And it's almost as black and white as some scenes in Blonde were, and the um, and something to do with my next film uh, as well. Uh, I say black and white, so this is very black. Your beer is very white, isn't it? I am. I'm on. I try to do the pronunciation here. This is <laughs> Icelandic white ale brewed with coriander and orange peel. It's Einstock Allgood. I think that's how you pronounce it. And I've got to say, it's very good. Is it? I like this. Yeah. The details. I've got to get one of those, and and Mm. also friend, friend of the show, and get bonus points for having a Viking on the label. (laughs) All beers should have Vikings on the labels, where I'm concerned. Vikings. I still need to see all the TV series of all that stuff. I bet you've watched that, haven't you? Some of it. We may (laughs) or may not be talking about a Viking film tonight. Oh, oh dear! I've just deleted something by mistake. Oh well, never mind. Um, (laughs) Oh, so we're over to your number three. Well, yes, um, we've been talking about black and white films. And then there's a film by filmmaker Akira Kurosawa called To Live, which was black and white. And his earlier stuff in black and white. Yeah, it's a great film. And anyone that, um, that knows about that probably knows what I'm about to say, because my number three is a remake of that, effectively, um, in a sense. It's called Living. Uh, and oh, is that the Bill Nye film? It's the Bill Nye film. Yeah. Now you're. I pretty... haven't seen it. Oh, I'm no. not doing very well here. I've watched over. I've 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 added it up. I've watched something like seventy three films. I've even kept a spreadsheet because I'm like that. Um, <laughs> and I've got them all listed out in front of me. And I thought I I I'd be doing pretty well and cover most of the films you you've uh, gone through. And that's two in a row that I haven't seen now. That's very. <laughs> Yeah, well, Living's a marvellous film, I think. It's it's just solid drama. It's a period piece. Um, it's um, based on, well, I mean, essentially it's a, it's a film which is it's a, a kind of like a, a British drama set in the past. Um, to give it a general thing, it's 1950s London. Um, 
And essentially, you've got... Um, I can picture Bill Nighy of 1950s London straight exactly, away. Bit up there. Exactly. Yeah. And he plays a civil servant um, who's the boss of this department, uh, the sort of planning department. Um, he's a very stiff character. You don't see him, you hear about him, you hear people talking about him at the beginning, including the main female character. Um, and um, and this guy who's just taking the job there. And you, you wonder about him and you, you hear the aura is built up around him. And he turns out to be a pretty kind of sort of uh, stoic, humorless, kind of very stiff character. Um, and he's part of the typical civil servant bureaucracy. You know, put this put this paper on this pile. We'll deal with it later. It's that kind of scenario. And into this world, um, you get um, a civil servant's like, um, life. It takes a heartbreaking turn when a medical diagnosis tells him that his time is short. Essentially, we think it's cancer. It doesn't really say, but... Um, but influenced by a local decadent and, and a vibrant woman, he continues to search for meaning until a simple revelation gives him a purpose. And so that's the general premise. It's set in 1953, to be more exact. Um, and essentially, it's a film which deals with someone discovering about the, the importance of life and living life. Yeah, the title itself, Living, tell, tells you all you need to know um, about living your life, li- living for the moments. Yeah. Um, so it's got, I don't know if anyone here is listening has seen Sex Education, but there's a character in there. I can't remember her. A TV show. TV show, yeah. 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 There's a toothy girl in there. I've got, I've got a, her name is um, Margaret Harris. Oh, no, sorry. The character is Margaret no, Harris. Amy Lou Wood, that's it, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The blonde plays girl. The main female character. And we've got Alex Sharp as a guy called uh, Peter Wakeling. And um, essentially, this, this guy is an employee he meets um, people on the platform. It's your typical commuters, bowler hats and umbrellas on a, on a provincial station platform, commuting into London. You know, he cracks a joke and nobody responds at all. And, um, you know, we've all, all got to be very serious. Then you hear about this boss, Bill Nye. They go in on the train and, and eventually he goes into this new job in this civil service office. And it's all around planning. And they're, they're trying to, they're, there's a, a backstory of some local ladies are trying to get um, some dead space apportioned as a playground for local kids because they're short on resource uh, in their poverty stricken neighborhood in London somewhere and it's really just a character piece not a great deal happens narratively speaking I've heard it's got Bill Nighy has had rave reviews for this yeah Yeah. I mean he's superb in it and you'll probably tell me more than I could tell you about whether he got involved in the Oscar uh, ratings or whatnot but um it's it's Oscar worthy it's it's um it's definitely a golden seagull uh, applicant, <laughs> I think, for acting. He's um he's brilliant. Yeah, I'm gonna have to watch this. Yeah, all the co- all the cast are brilliant. Um, as I said, it's a character piece. It's about the, the the characters interacting with each other, about finding something out about themselves, about being human in a workspace, being human in a a, a, a private space amongst colleagues. Um, I can't really say too much about it, really, without starting okay. to talk about the story, which, as I said, there's not a great deal narratively speaking. So you want it to be one that just plays out. Other than to say it's beautiful looking, it, the sense of the period is great, and lots of really sharp, dark tones. It's, it's shot in colour, but sharp, darkish sort of tones really give it a great quality. It's got a, a really sort of piercing quality to it. And I just think it's... Um, it's just a mature piece of work. Uh, it's it's a good, solid drama, really good drama. And 
I loved it. I thought it was touching. And yeah, Bill Nye in particular is superb in it. Um, he kind of isn't the main character at first, and then he sort of becomes it later okay. on. Actually, yeah, and um, it's um, it's it's a great film. I'm trying to think if there was other, other bits. Oh yeah, by the way, it's been, it's um, the writer is um, is the novelist Kazuo Ishiguro, who's made oh okay day and stuff like that. We should mention that, um, and it's based on uh, Ikaru, which is to live. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the that's, that's the background bits as well. Um, not much more. I think if there's anything else I wanted to add to to that, really. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, just very highly rated. A beautiful little film. Excellent. So I'd recommend it, Phil. So fantastic. Back to you. Back then. to me. Um, so a different type of film, but a similar concept. Ooh. Number three. Um, uh, set uh, a, a historical piece that was someone who's had feelings of his own mortality and decided to do something about it. I've gone for the Banshees of Inisherin. Ah, uh-huh. right. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that. <laughs> I have a feeling this would be on your list. This is on my list. I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say where it is at the moment. Yeah, because um, hmm, it's it's great, isn't it? The Banshees of Inisherin. Go on. So, Tell- right. Around about 100 years ago, uh, I think it's on an island off the coast of Ireland who were yep. involved in a civil war at the time, which is briefly alluded to, but not really mentioned that much. Two lifelong friends find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship with alarming consequences for both of them. So he just decides he just doesn't want to be friends with them anymore because he's wasted too much time sitting around having banal conversations. He wants to do more. And the more his friend kind of says but why 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 the more drastic uh, uh, kind of extremes he will go to to try and get him to go away and leave him alone so written directed by martin mcdonough um who's uh, we've spoken about before so um he did in bruges he did seven psychopaths and he did three billboards outside Ebbing, missouri um, this is more of the same it's uh, a fantastic cast it's um, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, who obviously re-teamed up again from uh, in Bruges um, as Patrick, Patrick and Colm, uh, Kerry Condon as Siobhan and Barry Keehan as, as Dominic. All of them are absolutely flawless and absolutely brilliant. Um, unlike some of his other films, quite uh, it, this one's gorgeous to look at. It, it's as a period piece. It's pretty. It's beautiful. It's an incredible ensemble cast. And like the rest of his stuff, it's nasty. <laughs> it really is it's nasty, isn't it? It has the blackest of black. I mean, it's as black as this um, as this beer I'm drinking. The comment. yeah. So I mean, Rotten Tomatoes ninety six percent. They say it's a finely crafted feel bad treat. Feel bad <laughs> treat. I think is a pretty good description. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, oh, I love that. That's a great description. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I can reveal this is at my number two. By the way, yeah, I might as well. T- I might as well tell you now as well. So it's my next one to talk about. Although I don't really need to too much. Um, it's a it, strange film. It feels like a kind of play in a way. It's 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 not like a, your kind of normal, usual film. You kind of just go along with it and 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 you just sort of follow the characters as they interact. Um, I know McDonough has got a background in theatre and has won numerous awards. Um, yeah, I'll talk about that in a minute, actually. But yeah, but, but the, the performances are uniformly excellent. Um, again, um, 
It's incredibly compelling. It's often absolutely burst laugh out loud, hilarious. And at other times you want to kill yourself, depressing. And it moves from one extreme to the other skillfully, um, like kind of a lot of his other films that he does quite um, regularly. Um, he looks at the extremes of human behavior. And we saw that a lot in three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And this is a kind of another example of what what will happen when people are pushed to taking kind of bizarre, strange decisions to do what they think that is, is right for themselves. It's, Island, as I said, looks incredible. It's incredibly cinematic. Lots of work's gone into it. I, I, re I read an article last week about how much effort they put into the costumes to make sure they had the right wool that was available for them to yeah. wear at that time. And, and, and that, and then the clothing kind of reflects the personalities of the, of the characters. Um, oh, it's just, it's just brilliant. Yeah. yeah, I, I love think it. for me, as I said you off air, um, I was um, as I was looking through and deciding what to pick, I, I was wondering if there was a whole load of films which I thought were good, which I will mention, you know, honorable mentions for other stuff later. But there's a whole load of films I thought were good, I really enjoyed, I thought they're good films, but I thought not really five top five worthy. And then I wondered if I'd have a top five, but actually, in the end, I think the, the five I've got are just a cut above. But I think my top three for me is is a cut above those. Yeah, I, th I think my, I, I, mine's the same. Yeah, living is there. As you said, the detail, the acting is just off the scale. Martin McDonough, who's, who's of course, his brother as well. John is uh, is also a filmmaker. He made The God, by the way. If yeah, talking. yeah. That's, that's Brendan Gleeson, isn't it? He's and, fantastic and Calvary, in there. Which is, which is Brendan Gleeson, which are both great films. But Martin McDonough, you mentioned theatre. I Back in the day... When I was working at the Barbican, it was very early noughties, I think, 2000s. Um, he did a, a play called The Lieutenant of Inishmoor. So partly a similar title. Yeah. An IRA guy who goes up running off up to hide in the hills and he forces him, uh, some local, you know, rural set cottage dwellers to, yeah. uh, to look after, to hide in. And um, that is one of the blackest comedies and one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life it was the, the writing is off the scale. So this guy's theatre stuff, I haven't seen yeah. any of it, but that was one of probably the best things I've ever seen on stage as well. And it's just a pretty much a two-hander. I'm surprised they haven't adapted any of his, well, I suppose, yeah, I don't know who owns the IP, but they haven't adapted any of his plays for, for screen yet. He 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 just um he just gets all of the notes. Any film that's this good gets these notes right. It can be darkly humorous. It can be brutal. It can be horrendous. It can leave you wondering where's this going for a moment. Yeah. Or two? The stuff about the fingers. And you also think how how is this going to end? Where, how yeah. much further is this going to go? Conclude yeah. It? yeah, exactly. And actually, the lieutenant, the British Moore, by the way, um, I can't remember her name. The the actress that plays the sister of. Uh, of Colin Farrell in this in this film, uh, what's her Kerry name? Condon. Kerry Condon. Kerry Condon. That's it. And she's in the Lieutenant of Inishmore. Okay. Uh, yeah. By the way, as, as the female, the she's woman. fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's great. It just takes you in different directions. It's multi-dimensional as a tone, and it's multi-dimensional in other aspects as well. It's got a, as, as you said, the 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 um, period detail is great. Getting the right costumes. Yeah, to impeccable detail is great. Apparently, they filmed the uh, in this pub. Uh, there's a lot of scenes set around there because yeah, they played music in there and they got the music right and everything like that, didn't they? 
all accounts, they've they built that pub specifically for the film, and they dismantled it afterwards. Oh, I think okay. it looks great. They should have kept it up. Yeah, <laughs> it's got a word on the score. So the score is by Carter Burwell. He's the guy who does all the Coen Brothers films. Yeah, and he's, he's great. He's great. Um, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. I mean, there's a few traditional Irish pieces of music in it as they kind of all have a jam together in the pub. And, and but yeah, he's he's the friend of Gleason's character is a musician, and he that's part of what he wants to do. He wants yeah. to focus on a, a, like a purer uh, pastime, doesn't he? Just playing music rather yeah. than teaching, as you said, in a name drivel with a mate down the pub. And it's just that notion of you know. Why are you doing this? Well, I just don't want to talk to her anymore. And you know, she goes, "Why not?" I'm just bored of him. He said, "But you don't do things like that." But yeah, he did. And it's it's just the performances are so good. You could just watch it again tomorrow. It just you can watch Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson argue. I mean, in in Bruges, it's fantastic, and in this, it's absolutely fantastic. Farrell was kind of seen as a bit of a wild character, wasn't he? A bit of a Bit of quite a bit of a naughty boy and a bit into punch ups and things like that when he was younger in his earlier days, but he's matured, I think, on and off screen. I think he's he's getting better and better with his roles. Oh, if he's incredible, role, yeah. he's Brendan Gleeson, apart from having the most extraordinary face, the most Irish looking Irishman ever, um, but also such an amazing face, craggy yeah. face, big ears. The most distinctive looking actor you can Mad Eye Moody in the Harry Potter films, isn't it? You can see why he was cast as that, yeah. Yeah, Mad Eye Moody, yeah. And he's, um, he's just, he's a brilliant actor. I can't remember him being anything less than exceptionally good in anything I've seen him. No, even no, there's, exactly. a, there's, there's a, a short film called, I think it's called Six Shooter, where it's just a, basically a two hander in terms of two people on a train in black and white, short film, about 15 minutes long, I think. Uh, I can't remember who it was. It's someone quite significant directed it before they became famous. But anyway, he, even there, you know, it's something yeah. like a fairly amateur filmmaker. And again, he's just, you know, great film and yeah. great acting. He's always good. The Guard, we mentioned earlier, he's in that, of course, as well. And Calvary. He does and, quite a lot of historical epics as well. He's in like Kingdom of Heaven and um, Braveheart and stuff like that. Just playing, you know, oh, yeah, that's knights true, yeah. and all sorts. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic film, fantastic performances, a beautiful setting. Apparently, they're trying to make it all quite a bit of a touristy place to go to now, based on the fact that that's where they filmed it. Yeah. Uh, I think well, that, that, that certainly be... worked for Island of Game of Thrones. It got a lot of, got a lot of tourists <laughs> yeah. there. So, yeah, good luck to them. Should we go there, Phil? We could do a podcast <laughs> from the, one of the pubs there. That pub's not there, but there are other beautiful local pubs there, apparently. So, mm. so as a as a spoiler for you, sorry, Russell, um, had nine Oscar nominations, didn't win any. Absolutely outrageous. Uh, it won some stuff at the BAFTAs, didn't it? I think Barry Cure got uh, the... And the Golden Globe, Globes, they had eight nominations. Um, Colin Farrell, the screenplay and the musical or comedy fit film. Yeah, all won. Yeah. Can I just say at this point, screw the Oscars. I, I've never liked them. I can't stand them. <laughs> this is yet another example of why it, it's a redundant, pathetic, self-congratulatory, back-slapping distorting uh, perception of the film industry. It's people that don't watch stuff or they watch stuff in a hurry or they watch stuff three in a row uh, or they just don't have very good opinions. The fact they're in the film industry doesn't necessarily mean they've got good taste anyway. No. The whole notion of the awards is, is shit anyway because you've got um, one thing in each individual character uh, category which is supposed yeah. to be thing. There's no such thing as the best film. There's, we're talking here that my top two are interchangeable. I could have had it the yeah. other way. 
um, there, there, there's degrees of excellence. And I think if you get to a certain degree of excellence, why should you miss out versus another film? Yeah. Maybe that's what's happened here. I don't think so. I just don't think people watched it or watched it in the right conditions. If they're watching a time code copy at home at three o'clock in the afternoon, no, exactly. the award ceremony tomorrow night, that's not the way to watch a film. You know, no. there we go. Anyway, rant over. Um, but I, I think it's an exceptional film. It's your number three and it's my, uh, no, it's your number. My number yeah, three. Number three and my number two. Um, I, I, if you have not seen this film, why the hell not? It's, it's brilliant. It's, it's essentially, um, it's a two hander of sorts in one sense, but with two other significant characters. The Barry Keogh character is brilliant as well because he's, yeah, he's, he's great in everything as well, isn't he? Always brilliant. Yeah. He's a very unusual guy. If you don't know who he is, watch this film, you'll, you'll know straight yeah, away. Yeah. Pretty distinctive kind of abstract looking guy. And he plays this guy. He's got a, he's got the hots for the sister, isn't he? And yeah, just, just he's about he, half her age. Yeah, and he kind of yeah, completely inappropriate. And he at one point he finally, in his very socially awkward way, tries to kind yeah. of present the notion of, oh, would you be uh, you know, would would you be interested? And it's just the way he reacts to the immediate rejection. Yeah. It's just brilliant acting. It's just so yeah. so good. It's brilliant. And you've got this story of um banshees are essentially, you know, these kind of uh these figures as kind of like a bit witchcrafty sort yeah. of sense, isn't it? That's what that's what they generally are. You've got this old lady in it who kind of who plods around and occasionally pops up in scenes, who's clearly literally there, but she's almost like a ghostly figure. And there's certain scenes that are pretty haunting. It's it gets very dark, doesn't it? Uh we won't mention things about fingers or donkeys either, but, but no. <laughs> There's, there's some stuff to do with that as well. It goes to some dark places, like all of his work. What a good film! I, 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 I can't wait to see what he what he does next. Well, it's it's event cinema for me. It it's is not for yeah. some people, but for me and you, it is, isn't it? So oh, it you, is. You you know that the characters are going to be incredible. The dialogue is going to be off the scale. The observations are just going to be, you yeah. know, uh, scintillating. And what I like yeah. the most about it is, um, um, you know, re- he, he's a master of dialogue. People talk about Tarantino and people like that. They're not. A pa- I, I think they can be very good, but they're not a patch on this guy, Martin McDonough, who's obviously the Irish her- heritage. His films are often yeah. centred around Irish characters or Irish settings. He's, he's brought up in London, but I think he had Irish London. parents. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's, he's essentially he's Anglo-Irish. Yeah, um, but he's um, he's he's. I don't know if he's married to, but his partner is Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who. Also, oh, I didn't realise that. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed them at the BAFTAs. I went, oh, yeah, I, I heard this before. And now it just reminded me, oh, yes, they're together as a partner. Um, and she's pretty good as well. She wrote and starred in Fleabag. Yeah. The, I'm the, curious uh, to see what she's going to bring to Indiana Jones this year. Oh, wow, yeah. I mean, that's going to be something else, isn't it? But, I mean, <laughs> she's brilliant with dialogue as well. So what a yeah. couple. Imagine if they collaborate on something together. Maybe it'd be too much, actually. <laughs> but yeah, what what a great film! What a great film! So I've, as I said, I've got that in mind, number two. So I've got to pop it straight back to you, Phil. Sorry. So, if you told me a year ago that the twenty twenty two I would be here doing the top fives and my number two would be a Bollywood film, I would have laughed in your face. I knew you were going to have this in your top five. <laughs> <laughs> I suspected oh, it would I be love just, this. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? RRR we're talking about, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have seen it, yeah. yeah. Oh, and I again, absolutely loved it. 
<laughs> this has got a really big budget, hasn't it? And it's um, it's it's your typical Bollywood film. It's got it's, it's massive. Everything long. about Bollywood, I have previously kind of thought that's not for me. It's three hours of mu- long musicals, and then I kind of read some reviews of this and thought, you know what? I fancy trying something different. I fancy trying something a little bit more out the box and I put this on Netflix with no expectations whatsoever the first 10 minutes had some of the most appalling acting I've ever seen in my entire life from the oh. European actors um, who I'll go to shortly oh, and then you get <laughs> then you get drawn into it and uh, it was it's three hours and it, I, and it was wonderful just at that moment can I just say do you reckon they've deliberately picked bad actors or got actors to deliberately act oh, bad Stevenson's normally fantastic yeah because so. they they're really shit and also <laughs> quite often i've seen a couple of bollywood films before and the acting usually is pretty dreadful actually yeah. to be honest. it's very hammy at, the, at best and essentially the the main actors the indian actors are better actors than those oh, guys yeah, in the english roles um <laughs> i don't know if they've done it on purpose to make themselves look better i don't know it's all fair might, i don't know if their budgets were were were, were less or for that i don't know anyway so um let me introduce it properly i'm talking about rrr aka rise raw revolt uh, a fictitious story um about two legendary revolutionaries and their journey away from home before they started fighting for their country in the 1920s um, and they're, they're fighting against the both the british raj and the nizam of hyderabad um directed by ss i'm going to murder some of these names and oh, go ahead. most <laughs> apologies um, directed by ss rajamouli who co-wrote the film after his father told him about the story it's um nt rama rao um <laughs> as kumaram beam and ram charan uh, as uh, Aluri Sitarama Raju, I think. Also stands for Rajamuli Ram Charan and Rama Rao. Um, <laughs> it's a historical piece based on ve- very loosely um, uh, some events that happened a uh, hundred years or so, probably set at a similar time as Banshees of Inisherin, realistically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, the Biggest budget for an Indian film ever made. It ended up due to COVID delays and overruns and everything else. It cost seventy million dollars, which by Indian standards is a lot. Um, they used at least three thousand technicians worked on the film. There were nine co-directors. It took three hundred days to shoot, and seventy-five days of that was doing action sequences. Mm. Yeah, this is the best action film of twenty twenty-two comfortably by an absolute country mile there's some oh, of the some of the some of the set pieces in this there's one in particular a bridge sort of, you know fairly near in it's, it's fantastic it's so oh, yeah. well done oh the one where they swing off the bridge yeah 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 there's, there's yeah. bits set in the set in the jungle where they're b- battling with animals as well tigers oh. he fights a tiger yeah. that was quite early on is ridiculous it, so, I mean, so so yeah so so you start watching this film. Um, the the European the, the the British characters are played by Ray Stevenson, who I love. He's normally great. Um, he's absolutely terrible in this. And and Alison Doody um, plays his wife. Um, she last thing I saw her in was she played Elsa Schneider in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I haven't seen her do anything since. And in this, I understand why. In, yeah, in this, she's probably the the most. 
over over kind of exaggerated bad yeah character yeah like baddie character yeah ever you know the the most ridiculously over the top you know kill them whip, whip them use this whip this is yeah. much much better whip just you know, yeah so the first ten minutes is terrible if you put this on don't you need you need to give it at least an hour before you're going to realize whether you're going to see it through to the end and whether it's whether it's something you can get on with but about half an hour forty minutes in there's a set piece where they're defending this tiny garrison and there's this huge riot of like natives all the way around them and once that kind of kicks off, I was drawn in. I thought I was in all the way. I thought it was fantastic. And even when they go to the kind of um, the big musical number, which did win an Oscar um, mm. for best song at the Oscars um, last night, um, which normally I would absolutely despise. It's it, they go to this kind of big ball and uh, where everybody's dressed up and you know, were very posh and snobby and these are the two young Indian guys who are there and they have a dance off. Which sounds absolutely ridiculous, but you can't help but just smile all the way through. It, it is absolutely ridiculous, just to clarify as well. <laughs> but it is it's a sensation. It's really good, actually, that scene. I love it. Um, so are you saying you want to do musicals next, Enfield? No five? way in hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to explain a bit more as well about this film, it's not in my top five, but I, I did enjoy it. I I'm glad be... you watched it. I did pester you to watch it because I'm yeah, really yeah. curious to know your opinion of it. Yeah. And the aforementioned Kermode was raving about it as well, saying you've got to see this. Because essentially what you've got with Bollywood is you've got every film seems to be about three hours long, loads yeah. of musical numbers, loads of people singing in outdoor settings with echoey voices. I have an Indian friend, Paneet, if you're listening to this ever. Hello, mate. He He hates Bollywood films, and he says it's three hours of people singing around the trees. That was his, his description. Yeah. In echoey yeah. voices. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But this is essentially, it takes on some of the Bollywood traits. The, the length of time is about a three hour long film. Uh, the, these hammy actors who are, who are just, uh, very egotistical kind of, you can see them playing off, like trying to ooze sexual appeal to the audience, aren't they? These yeah. Male actors. And they're very buff and they kind of. Oh, they got, did. And they had to do something like 18 months of training camps, the two maybe. Yeah. yeah to, I can believe to, it. Yeah. To, yeah, to, yeah, to kind of be in the right shape for this film. <laughs> Yeah. They're very moody, aren't they? They've got moody yeah. stares and all that sort of stuff. And essentially, you've got two guys. You've got a guy who's um, working for the British. There's a scene very, very early on where, which is utterly, utterly ridiculous, where there's there's some sort of um, rebellion going on, and there's a fence um, yeah. separating the, the rebels from the British um, building or whatever it is. And the British um, yeah. uh, military. And of course, they've got some Indian people working for them in their military. And this guy with meaningful stares, they say, sort out that guy who threw something. And he jumps over the fence into a crowd of thousands. Yeah, and goes after him. He got, <laughs> takes them all on. It takes them all on. It's, it, it's like John Wick or something like that. It, it, it really <laughs> is. And he sort of, it's, they actually make it quite believable in a weird sort of way. That he, he, <laughs> he kind of like, there's so much pandemonium going on around trying to attack this guy that he yeah, ducks yeah. down and climbs through a load of legs and gets out and pursues this guy they're trying to get and they catch him. He's obviously this awesome guy who's working for the British, but he's Indian. So there's that thing of, oh, I wonder if he's going to change his sensibilities once he, Gets yeah. in touch with some nice guys who are, you know, from his native homeland. And then you've got this other guy who's 
uh, this girl's been taken by these these hammy acting British people at yeah. the beginning of the story, and this guy from the village who's called Brother, but he's basically a, yeah. someone from the community, has gone to the big city. Uh, I can't remember which city it is. It's not a famous one, is it? But it's a big city anyway. Yeah. And um, he, he's been charged with the notion of going to the city, setting himself up in the city, pretending to be a local, doing blacksmith work or something. Yeah. Even though he's twice the size of everybody else there. He's got <laughs> shoulders. He'd only fit through That's a door. Up. <laughs> Even he, though he had this tiny little diet living in a little yeah. Indian village. <laughs> and there's a scene with this obnoxious, horrendous British officer. His car, is there's something wrong. He sorted out yeah. really easily. It was a basic thing. He's made to look stupid. His his girlfriend or wife or whatever it is laughs at him. And then he takes it out on the mechanic, saying, you yeah. made me look a fool. And, of course, he takes the beating because he's staying undercover. But his yeah. real is to try and find this abducted girl who of yeah. course is in the British um, the Raj kind of yeah. venue whatever it is so that's the story of this guy is, un- is trying to find this girl while staying undercover and the, the guy we described earlier that took on thousands of people works for the British military and is supposedly looking for this guy that they've heard is, is yeah. coming to the area that's the general story isn't it yeah, and yeah. They, they find each other without realizing who each they other are. are and they 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 know that they've got they, they're kind of at opposite ends of the sort of political spectrum yeah but there's a real kind of brotherhood between the two yes, that's right the real yeah. theme of it yeah and then of course you get this very exaggerated angst of oh he's the guy that i'm supposed to be looking at and it it it, it and then, yeah they're 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 pulling at their own um heartstrings and their moral fiber yeah and yeah there's some spectacular scenes they, they do i like mean the sets in this are massive in the in a year where pretty much every single other film is cgi or small because it was all filmed in covid the the, the this is ep- this is about as epic as epic can possibly get is this is a big scale you know <laughs> now i i have a problem with action films i I don't know if it's my age. I don't know if it's how many films I've seen, but I switch off so easily in what is supposed to be spectacular action scenes. So many times I go, ah, oh, seen this before, I've yeah, yeah, seen it before, and I, I've just seen so many things. It just feels like shit music playing in the background. I just switch off. Yeah, this film, I, I've got to say, I've, it's not often I've enjoyed an action. Yeah, oh, it's totally over the top. It's totally <laughs> bending the laws of physics. But, of but, but not like Fast and the Furious, which is just annoying. This is in kind of an endearing way, you know. Yeah, you haven't got, yes. It, I mean, some of it is as ridiculous as Fast and Furious. A lot of it is more ridiculous than yeah, Fast yeah. and Furious. But what it is, is um, it's got a heart. It's got a general a general identity and it, it just goes with it. It just goes right. Yeah. This is going to be stupid. You've got these, this major kind of, you know, these two ridiculously muscular, likable guys, but they've got contentious issues. Yeah, yeah. You've got the, the families behind the scenes. You've got a female character who's a love interest for one of them, yeah. the guy from the village. And yeah. um, she's the, you know, your, your typical English Rose, uh, another yeah. actress. I've no idea who she is. And she's got this kind of, slightly unrealistic relationship with him almost yeah. she, she can, she can you just have around. to go with it really don't you, you just have just, to go with it it's yeah. enjoyable it's ridiculous it's massively over the top but i have to give it some credit some of that action stuff is unbelievably good it's yeah and the, the cgi is is unexpectedly very good i mean there's yes. a lot of that there's a lot of animal type lions and tigers and elephants and etc et all sons by cgi they didn't use real animals for it and and it's 
a lot better than a lot of Hollywood films. They hadn't really spared any expense. So, I mean, they got universal acclaim from both Indian and Western critics for screenplay, for the direction, bombastic action sequences, and the performances, and obviously the music. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, 95%. Uh, they say intoxicatingly over the top, pulls out all the stops to make the absolute <laughs> most of its 187-minute running time. Yeah. What I will say, we've talked about long films. Yeah. Films are always long. Um, I don't mind that. And I did for most of this film think this is fine. I don't mind this yeah. being long. But in the end, I did I did feel like it dragged a bit. There was a bit the, where the, you think it's gonna finish and it doesn't, and you think, okay, that that's fine, but that sequence after yeah, that yeah. seemed to drag a bit. And that's why I didn't make my top five. In the end, I thought for all its it's lovability, and for all its ridiculously over-the-top cheesiness, yeah. which I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought there's too many too many films in there which I've liked as no, well. Fair enough. Go in there, which is why it's not on my top five. But I, I, I watched it and just thought, that's going in. That, yeah. That's going straight in my top five. When I was watching it, I'm thinking, I can't believe I'm going to put a Bollywood film in. <laughs> I know. And what what's interesting is some people who are into Bollywood films, I mean, most, most people – Let's face it; it would probably be Asian people we've watched. Yeah, yeah. I know a few Asian people are clients or people I know who love Bollywood, and then they'll love other stuff as well. Um, but some people who like Bollywood didn't like this, which is interesting because it's only yeah. one step, or one or two steps away from what they already. There's watched. not that many songs. There's a few. There's no, a couple. Not, I wonder but, if that's but, what they didn't like. The not that many. But, yeah, I don't know. It's got quite a lot of Western sensibilities in it. Um, so Roger Milley said the idea came from, believe it or not, watching the um, the motorcycle diaries. Oh, right. Uh, which, yeah, we, he thought how, horror, how, how a character kind of transforms into a revolutionary. And he also, his other inspiration, which is completely understandable, is Inglorious Bastards. Um, mm. where he said like where Tarantino had hit the machine gun he's like don't worry about the history just do whatever you want to do don't worry about the history or getting it right just just tell the story and have fun with it and who cares what the actual real history is you know I kind of love that in a way yeah that's superb isn't it um it's entertaining I would recommend watching it if you can spare the time it's about yeah. what's it three hours about three hours long yeah. isn't it um it, but it's 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 a cracking entertainment I can't put it in my top five in the no, end, that's fair but enough. it is the action is fair play. The action is actually... so. I, after watching this, I went on Netflix and watched his two previous films, yeah. and I'm like, oh, is it Barhubali one and two, which are uh, kind of similar uh, kind of historical epics, and I didn't quite enjoy them quite as much. But I, they're both about three hours long, and I sat through them and I smiled a lot. There were more songs, and I didn't quite enjoy them as much. But I was, I was entertained, and I didn't, you know, okay. it kept my attention. I, 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 he's obviously, you know, he's got, a, he's, he's a good director. He knows what he, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Well, wouldn't it be interesting if he does get any gigs in Hollywood rather than Bollywood? I wonder, wonder what would happen. That before. whether he wants to. I mean, he's got, he, he uses the same people for every film, so he, he has the same editor, the same music director, the same director of photography, the same production designers, the same special effects people, the same costume people for all of his films. The guy who did the music, I think, is his um, cousin. Uh, that's uh, Kira Varney, I think his name is. He's his older cousin, and he does all the music for all of his films. Um, 
I'm going to show my ignorance here. So in India, there are a number of different languages. I think this was filmed in, apologies for my pronunciation, Telugu, and then they, they I think the actors had to dub it into Hindi, Tamil, Kannada, and Malayalam. Yeah. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I'll try. I can't help you with that one. <laughs> yeah. Telugu, whatever it is, that, that's the original that, language. That's, yeah. that's right, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, so there are, you know, obviously subtitles, but um, yeah, I didn't think I would enjoy this. Uh, every now and then I like to try something a bit different and it's some, quite often it falls flat and doesn't work. But this, this, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and please, 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 if you do watch it and for the first 20 minutes you're thinking this is terrible, please just stick with it and you'll know by about an hour or so whether you're going to enjoy it or not. Yeah. Because I have to admit, at the beginning of that, I was thinking, oh, no, no. Yeah. It's really hammy, cheesy, awful acting. I didn't know if it's something to do with dubbing going on as well. I actually yeah. found around with the set. It's on Netflix, by the way, yeah, as, yeah. as, as is earlier stuff. So check it out on Netflix. But I, I was fiddling around with the subtitle settings and all that, just seeing, hang on, have I got this in the right setting? Because it, it's just it's, it, people that seem to be speaking with in English with dub, Dubbed English. Yeah, yeah. What is going on? <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, it's got its own. And it's an acquired taste, and um, I, I like a bit of spectacle, and this offers more bang for your buck than anything else. I, I, I completely knew this was going to be high in your top. <laughs> high. It was a matter of it was somewhere in your. It was going to be third or second. Was yeah, favorite. I was playing between this and the Banshees of Inner Sharing. There you go. There which you is go. going to be two, which is going to be three. Yeah. Well, we've got our number ones to come. Are we going to do that first or will we have a break first? What's yeah, I was going to grab another beer. Okay. We'll have a break there. In part three, our final part, we will talk about our number ones, which may or may not be the same. I've got a suspicion they might be I the doubt same. doubt it. You doubt it? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. All right. Okay. And uh, we'll talk about any other business and uh, then we'll tell you what's coming up in our next episode. So stay tuned. We'll just have this quick beer break. So now I'm on Jake's drinks from the Balfour Winery and I've got Jake's IPA crafted in Kent by our winemakers, but it's beer. So, yeah, IPAs from a winery. OK, interesting. I'm still I, Because I'm having an Imperial Stout, I'm still drinking the same Imperial Stout. Yeah, you're going to be oh, there to the morning, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> two thirds of the way through, though, but we, yeah, we're probably two thirds of the way through this, aren't we, Phil? So that fits in. Sounds about right. right. Yeah. Now, from what you said just in the uh, towards the end of the last part, it, I have strong suspicions that we don't have the same number one, and yeah. in which case, my number one is not in your number, your top five, and your number one is probably not in my top. No, five, but that is... normally, however, that yes. you would expect it to work. Yeah. Yeah, make of that what you will, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so, what is it, me again, isn't it? So It is. Uh, you might as well tell the audience what my number one is, because you know what it is. Go on. <laughs> I've got... Hmm. Oh, he's not sure. He's not sure. I've got to say, I'm not, com- I'm not completely sure if I know what your number one is. Okay. Are, are there more than one things on the list, or you just don't have no idea? No, I'm not completely sure. 
Okay, well, it's one of the films I caught this week. Uh, it's All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, okay, yeah. You do need to see um, on the big screen. Yeah, oh, yeah, I saw it. I've seen it. It's on Netflix. I've seen it on Netflix, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it really needs to be seen on the big screen. I had this issue with this film, which was uh, the one time during the year where I couldn't get to the cinema for a week or two uh, for various reasons. This is when the, the, when he had that limited release. Netflix have made it. They have a limited release for cinematic purposes, and the rest of it is all on Netflix, of course. So I missed it first time round. Then the award ceremonies were coming up. So yeah. I thought, great, I, there's probably going to be a chance to catch this just before we do our podcast. And could I find it? There were some screenings, but they just worked. They, it was 2.15 in the afternoon on a work day yeah. or on one weekend day where I couldn't do or it's some other cinema or something, something, something. And in the end... Funnily enough, German language <laughs> kind of war films that have been on Netflix for the last six months don't get many, much well, sort of footfall no, through in cinema screens. Now Even in London. That. Now you've said that, that sounds quite a good explanation. But at the time, why is this not? It's clearly going to be one of the best films, probably. And yeah. um, it's going to be Oscar nominated. Why the hell is it not on somewhere? And in the end, I live in North London in Enfield and 45 minutes drive away in Letchworth Garden City, I'd finally discovered a screening of a, at a time I could go to in the, the previous midweek to this one we're now in now. Um, uh, and it's, a, by the way, it's a cinema... Which I loved. I thought it was great. I love, go, I love going to old cinemas when you go to one that's, yeah, that's been, you know, 100 years old or something like that. It's, that's I think great. We, we should at some point do our top five cinemas. Yeah, I've managed to do quite a lot of different ones recently. Yeah, so yeah. we do that. That's that's one for the future. I might have to do a cinema crawl of London one weekend as <laughs> to add a few crawl. more few few well, more to, to the it list. Makes a change from a pub crawl, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm an old man now. I can't be doing that anymore. <laughs> um, but anyway, I went to the Broadway Theatre and Cinema, which is right near the station at Letchworth Garden, um, which is with beautiful old cinema, twenties, I think, no, thirties, I think it is. Um, and they had a screening. It was only in their second screen, so it's not the biggest screen, but it was still nice and it was very old-fashioned. I loved it. I loved it. Comfortable though, comfortable scenes uh, and all that stuff. And first of all, an entertaining story. Started watching it, and you have a, an establishing shot of where it is, and you know, a landscape shot with sunset. Had you seen it before, or was this your first time no, no. seeing it? No, okay, I, I deliberately tried to avoid it as long yeah. as I could, in case I could get yeah. to a big screen. And in the end, last minute, literally that day, if I couldn't go to that cinema, I would have gone and watched it, watched it at home. So there's an establishing shot, then there's a shot of some foxes, and then there's a sh- some shot of some over-the-top stuff and some people dying. Uh, and all you've got is people shouting in German, you know, basically saying "Go on, drive on" or whatever. Yeah. Um, but we didn't, we didn't get the subtitles on that. So I think, okay, fine. Then it cuts to the shot where the, your main protagonists are signing up. Yeah. And one of them is underage, and they come into their local village signing up office or whatever it is on their bikes and everything else, and they start chatting amongst themselves. This is World War One we, we're talking about. Yes, World War One, by the way. Yes, yeah, signing up for the. Uh, for, for the uh, most ridiculous war in history, yeah. So and, I think it's based on a book, but it was also made into a film in the nineteen thirties. Yeah, yeah. The book came out in the twenties or, or the late, yeah. or right, right after the war, and then yeah. in the thirties they made a film. And this is the, uh, yeah, a, a, right. a, a it tells the German side working. of the story, yeah. the futility of war, but from the German side. And the the original film, by the way, is fantastic as well. You should see that if you've not seen it, uh, listeners and film. Um, but anyway, they, so they start chatting in German, still no subtitles. At this point, I'm thinking, oh, is this an interesting thing where they're going to 
make you kind of imagine what the conversation is or if they've forgotten to put the right version on. And then it carries on for a few more minutes. I think they put the wrong version on. <laughs> there was a bit of rumbling at the back and someone was moving at the back of the cinema. So I thought someone's probably... Did they got- put it back on at the beginning again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and sure, and we, we looked at each other, my wife and I said, we're quite enjoying this, not knowing what they're saying. You know the gist of what they're talking yeah. about. There's a round. Yeah, you couldn't have sat through two hours of that, though, could you? No, in the, in the end, it would have been too much, two and a half hours. Um, so they put it back on, and it was a bit annoying having to watch the same scenes a little bit, especially the bits with no dialogue. But yeah, anyway, that that was a, a amusing side story. And, and someone behind us said, "That's so British, isn't it?" We just sat yeah. there. No one said anything. No one said anything. Someone, someone did go and sort it out, but no one, yeah. no one said anything to each other. Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, so that was quite entertaining. But anyway, finally watched it in its intended format for British audiences. It's a brilliant and- film. I've got to be honest, this was very, very close to getting on my list. The only thing uh, that stopped it coming on my list is it's unrelentingly grim. This, there's no humour. There's no fun. It is two hours of abject misery. Phil? It's the Great War. It's not supposed. I know, to I know, I know. But <laughs> to be, to be it, honest, it, it, it was. There was there exactly seemed, there, why... there no. There, there just seemed not very little heart in it at all. It was almost like watching a documentary, and it was just oh, it's that... brilliantly done. It's incredibly well done. The performances are excellent. The music was fantastic. It came very close to getting onto my list, but I just thought. I sat through that once, and I don't want to have to even talk about it because it's just so depressing. Well, I, I sat through that's the first ten minutes twice. <laughs> I know that's really, really bad, but but no, I mean to be honest with you, that's exactly the reason I put it at number one rather than at number two, is the fact that it's unrelenting. It's what the Great War. Yeah. Not, there's nothing great about it, but the the First World War was about it was just unrelenting and the scene we won't spoil it for anyone that's not seen it but there's a scene late on where you think right that's yeah that's where it all ends and it carries on with something else and you think well that that's kind of what it was like you know Mm. it's unrelenting there's some great scenes in it i've not seen the original film for many years so it's very violent as well isn't it it's just been mentioned it's very violent it is the i mean we spoke when we spoke two years ago we were when we were talking about um you brought in 1917 as as one of your top five and i kind of said we still haven't got that proper world war one film this is the proper World War One film that we've never had before. Yeah, this, of that. This, I, this is the Saving Private Ryan of World War One. Yeah, yeah, I had this quite high up in my list for the films of that year, and this is definitely better. I think it's better yeah. because it, I, I don't remember the original film. I need to see it again to see if there's any comparisons in terms of either stylistics or even original set pieces being the same or anything like that. But what it what it does have a real sense of the place, a real sense. We've seen it all before. Uh, overwhelmingly muddy settings with trenches and spaces and death and bodies everywhere and all the the stuff you've seen before but it is that extra bit more unrelenting i think it's got 1917 with extra anchovies it's got it's brutal there's some amazing scenes in it so i think my probably my favorite scene of any film this year was actually in this film Hmm. so you've got to remember speaking as a history buff um it, during um, World War One, the Brits decided that they were going to develop a new weapon, and they thought, well, we're going to if we call it the armored car or 
Mm. metal plated car then somehow the germans will know what's coming so we're going to give it a name of something that just could be anything we're going to call it a tank and no one will know what that means and so the germans had no idea what was coming and the mm. scene in this film where they hear it and then it suddenly appears uh, it suddenly appears and just That's drives crazy. over the top of everything else it was and they just look like looking at each other like what what is this we've never you know and that's exactly what happened they had no idea what was coming and it is incredibly well done essentially it was a booby trap which brings even more the 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 the, you know, the, the senseless deaths of soldiers that they they drew in a load of soldiers that that wiped out the allied troops got into the trenches and they're there trying to feed on this food they realize the allies have got much better food. They've got unstale bread. They've got wine. They've got yeah. all sorts there. And they're starting to stuff their face for a couple of minutes. Then you hear this rumbling noise, which is yeah. the tanks you're talking about. And then you realise that... The tanks come right over the top. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they were expecting to get overrun. And this was the counterattack. And they come in and it's some of it is incredible. There's people being run over. There's, there's flamethrowing... Um, antics yeah. going on by the allied troops as well which is brutal um there's certain scenes in it where you just think wow i've seen some horrendous depictions of of the horrors of war and the futility of war before but this this had certain elements in it again i won't, won't want to spoil details yeah. but it had certain elements in it which were off the scale and there's a scene later on a stabbing scene between a, a hand-to-hand combat yeah. scenario which is stunning it's so good i won't say any more than that just other than it's superb there's scenes in between battles where there's tranquility of assault going on for a short period where you obviously you, you hear a bit more about the characters and they tell you and and um i just love the way that unfolded as well there's the guy who's got the sun um who, who who died, um, and you know he's now got. And I think he's got another kid, hasn't he? At the time, and uh, yeah, just talking about yeah. the, just the normal humanity. Yeah, there's uh, got his mate who's got the glasses, and he recognises yeah. him when he sees the glasses, you yeah, know, in the yeah. mud. And the scenes to do with the farming raid as well. Uh, yeah, again, I won't say any more other than say this: two of them try and steal some. Some well, they do it once and they get away with it and they try and go back and do it again, don't they? They're doing it right at the end of the war. There's the whole thing about the bastard general who clearly is is a warmonger. He's completely bloodthirsty. Yeah. Uh, from the convenient position of safety as well, of course, as they all yeah. are. And he's brilliant. There was shades of paths of glory about that guy. I thought he was a bit yeah. like um, George, uh, George C. Scott in um, Paths of Glory, <laughs> Kubrick film. Yeah. We'll Kubrick again in a moment, won't we, Phil? Um, but it's, I think, again, I've, I've got to see the original again because that, that's a classic as well. But the, the, the futility, the senselessness and the sheer scale of wastefulness of human life um, that was the so, so-called Great War, um, it could never have been more depicted better yeah. than this film. I think it's stunning i'm assuming the historical detail is accurate it seems like it is the costumes you've got those hats with the two emblems on them all of that stuff yeah and what it does you know it's, it's telling the german side but essentially the german side exactly the same, same, story. Was, yeah. same story yeah so it, i love the fact it tells you that side. oh yeah i really don't know if i could sit through it again i've got to be perfectly honest I it's like grave of the fireflies or something like that you just think i've seen it I think it's an astounding piece of art and it's an incredible piece of work and I think everyone should see it. 
I just don't want to have to see it again because it's just so bleak. Maybe, maybe this is why it's not in your five and it's at my number yeah. one. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. Yeah. I think I'm the opposite. I want to see it again. Not straight away, but I want to see yeah. it again in a few months or something. And just to, just to see what details I've missed, because there's a lot going on. Of course, there is with a film like this. And just trying to gauge detail, probably fill in a few blanks that you can't quite understand at the time. Um, maybe I'll watch it with the subtitles off. Could be quite interesting. Yeah. And you've got your major character, um, Paul, his name, uh, who's one of four friends, I think, that sign up originally. Yeah. And you see what happens to the other people, whether they survive or not, and you see the horrors of war. But it's really interesting to to note how his story unfolds, Paul's story unfolds. Um, a, a, a wonderful piece of work. It's in German language. It's it's. I think it's a collaboration between... Yeah, it won, it won the Oscar for Best International Film last night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Directed by by a guy called Edward Berger. I'm not aware of him before, I have to be perfectly honest. Yes, that's right. Yeah, sorry, we should give credit to the to the filmmaker, shouldn't we? Yeah, Edward Berger, who is um uh he's from Wolfsburg in West Germany. He's actually a Swiss director and screenwriter, according to Wikipedia. Um he made um let's see, nothing else of note that you could really call it it got loads of awards at the BAFTAs, by the way. And, um, yeah, Swiss, interesting. I didn't realise that. Um, just looking at his filmography to see if there's anything else that I've, I recognise in here. Not particularly, no. So he's not really resonated on the global scale, but I think he will with this. He will get offers from Hollywood after that. I'm yeah, I mean, sure it's, it's a masterpiece. In, in, I yeah. Think just magnificent filmmaking it is bleak uh it's all the stuff you imagine lots of greys lots of mud lots of all that stuff yeah i love the scene actually when the tanks are coming there's a scene where they're coming over and they're, they're feasting on this food they've just they've just um, yeah. got, on, got, on, got in charge of from the allies and when the rumbling happens you get this huge swathe of rats running across mm. the screen they've obviously been on the trench yeah. yeah yeah i thought that's great great scene um but they must have been working from, you know, real accounts of things that happened. You know, well, obviously they had the book yeah. as a source material. but The, the book by all accounts is stunning as well, by the way. Um, so I don't know if there's more to say on that, really. We maybe come back to it on another subject at some point in the future. Yeah. Me, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, just to mention the actors, Felix Camera is the guy who plays Paul, the main guy, and Albrecht Schutt, who's the guy who's got the son they're, they're talking yeah. about interludes and daniel brule is in it as well actually yeah yeah of course he is yeah. know from lots of other stuff he's austrian isn't he i think yeah yeah and he plays one of the negotiators trying to agree a, a, a ceasefire with the french who are essentially being completely uncompromising because they've got them by the balls yeah at, yeah at it's all set in and they like, know it don't they yeah, yeah exactly. that's it's a bit set. of the scene in the uh in the rail carriage where they kind of sign the uh the armistice yeah yeah it's um it's set it's all set through the 2018 period, even I think even when they sign up is 2018, isn't it? So it's the final year of the four years. 1918. Yeah, 1918. Did I yeah, say 2018? You did, yeah. Yeah, definitely not 2018. Yes, no. 1914 to 18 was the war. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's also in 1918, which is interesting. And of course, uh, there's that whole thing about 11 11. It's the uh, the, uh, the 11th, 11th hour of the 11th month of the 11th month, day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, cinematography, James Friend, who's British, I think, um, by the way, edited by Sven Budelman, 
Uh, music by Volga Bertolt. Music's great. Music's great. You've got this throbbing. It's almost like the films of Chris, Christopher Nolan, isn't it? That yeah, yeah. Sort of sound. It's almost like a foghorn or a, like a ship's kind of sound um, that kind of throbs through. And it feels modern. Yeah, slightly distracting for a while, but then it melds into the story, and yeah, and it it fits the images really well. Yeah, it feels like the machines of war, doesn't it? That sounds, which uh, which is menacing and perfectly, I think, uh, suitable for the story. Really, two hours and twenty seven minutes running time. Uh, Budget was twenty million dollars, apparently, and uh, certainly looks like a lot more than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, that's that's an achievement in itself. If yeah. They've done that. Um, it was announced in February 2020 uh, that it was going to be made. And, yeah, a couple of years later, they started getting ready to release it. And it's uh, it's done pretty well. Critical reception. Um, as you said, it's got the foreign – well, they're, they're called it International yeah. uh, Film Award now, aren't they? 90% of 158 critics' reviews are positive, <laughs> with an average rating of 8.1 out of 10. And the website's consensus, which website is that? I don't know. Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. Um, says that both Timely and Timeless, All Quiet on the Western Front, retains the power of its classic source material, that great book, by focusing on the futility of war. Um, it says that Metacritic, which uses a weighted average, assigned the film a score of 76 out of 100 based on 37 critics. Indicating Metacritic that- are normally pretty pretty uh, they're not like rotten tomatoes we get 90 percent metacritic if you get anything above 70 it's doing well yeah yeah exactly yeah uh and that's that's pretty much it um, i think it's an epic film epic scale it's really hard to see on the big screen ridiculously so but if you can do yeah. it is uh, actually, it's on netflix recurring theme here isn't it they're all on yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, on netflix this is on netflix uh blonde is on netflix what else do we have um, I think Living might be. I'm not sure, actually, about that. Um, and the Banshees of If not, I'm sure it will be. So Banshees of Inisherin is actually on Disney. Ah, there we go. There we are. Right. So that's my number one. As is my number one. It's on Disney. Go on. Well, I, could, I don't think we could have a more different number one, really. I've gone for a proper B-movie horror film. I've gone for Barbarian. I absolutely ah. love this film. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, no. I love this. I like horror films a lot. I watch a lot of horror films, and I'd say at least 90% of them tread very familiar ground. And you're thinking, I've seen this before. Yeah, I've seen that before. When I get a horror film and it pulls the rug from under you and does stuff that you haven't seen before and you genuinely don't know what's going to happen next, that I love it. And this film is that. So this is the film Barbarian. I'm going to try really hard not to do to give anything away because it's best to go into this film with literally no preconceptions and no idea of what you're about to see. It's almost like it's nowhere near as good, even though it's my number one. If something like Parasite, when you go in and you, you just don't know what's going to happen next, it's got that same unpredictability about it. Obviously, it doesn't have quite the same level of performances and art. But I absolutely loved it. And in terms of sheer entertainment value, and if I had to choose any one of my films to watch again tomorrow or tonight, this would be the one that I would choose. Um, it doesn't, it's not high art level of <laughs> quite on the Western front, but I genuinely love this film. So, um, a woman, Tess, uh, has a job interview in a, in a city, uh, that 
away from where she lives. So she books an Airbnb, turns up late at night, not um, goes to get, get, there's no key there. She's not quite sure what's happening. She's trying to get open the door and it turns out that somebody else is in there already who's also booked the Airbnb for the night. And he says, well, why don't you come in and, and stay? And we both share it out and then we'll sort it out tomorrow. And then it just, <laughs> that, that's all I'm giving you. Right? <laughs> um, so Tess is played by a Brit. Um, she's English, uh, Georgina Campbell. She used to be in Broadchurch. Um, the guy, Keith, who's staying um, in the uh, in the Airbnb already, he's played by Bill Skarsgård, um, son son of Stellan and brother of Alexander and all the others. He was the he played Pennywise in it, and he was he's, he's yeah. obviously the the go to guy for horror films. I think he was in Castle Rock, the Stephen King um, TV yeah. series as well. By the way, can I just say the Simpsons episode of it called Not It. <laughs> It's really good. The current series is really good, actually. Okay. Back onto form. Anyway, back to yeah. Back to the back. other major actor in this is Justin Long. He plays a guy called AJ, who's an actor, who's a uh, sort of director, um, who's having a kind of Me Too career meltdown. Um, they're the kind of main three characters. Um, there is another one, but I'm not going into that. Okay, all right. <laughs> so um, it's written and directed as a debut film by a guy called. Um, Zach Kreger, I think that's his name. Um, he, um, yeah, he had a career acting in sitcoms and decided to make his own film. Um, he was inspired. He read a non. I'm going to read this out almost verbatim. He read a non-fiction book called The Gift of Fear, and he said there's a section in it that encourages women to trust their intuition and not ignore subconscious red flags that arise in day-to-day -day interactions with men. So then he sat down and he, he he wrote a single 30 page scene which incorporated as many red flags as he possibly could and uh, starting with this woman and going to an airbnb late at night and um, then sort of tried to kind of incorporate as much as possible after that and then he tried to kind of write surprises in he got frustrated and he decided his story became a little bit formulaic so he introduced a sort of twist and completely flipped the thing on its head um script was rejected multiple times no one wanted to anything to do with it eventually he raised a three and a half million dollar budget <laughs> mostly <laughs> through a french production company but when the guy who raised the money for it died they weren't sure what was going to happen and i think um 20th century studio stepped in up the budget to four and a half million dollars and became it became the distributor that's how we ended up on it so it's on the disney um four and a half million dollar film um they shot most of it in sofia bulgaria because it was cheap with the exteriors neighborhood shots done in detroit most of it is set in a single house and its environs um it's got themes of, of sexual abuse and trauma the ripple effects of abuse um originally this is this is opposite to what we've done on some of the other things we've spoken about originally it was going to go straight to streaming but the, the test screenings were so strong that they got a theatrical release so it got 93 percent on rotten tomatoes which for a b movie is pretty good going they say it's smart darkly humorous and above all scary 
Barbarian offers a chilling and consistently unpredictable thrill ride for horror fans. So mm. it's proper out and out horror. Well, that sounds exactly what you've just said, actually. Uh, unpredictable yeah, yeah. and thrilling. I think that's great. I, I have to check it out. I think um, uh, one thing you've just mentioned there, just uh, interesting, you're talking about the budget. I mean, Tarantino, 31 years ago, made, I think it was, it's just incredible. It can it? be done. Yeah, originally I think they they wanted to get Zac Efron to to have the role as the kind of Me Too guy, oh, no, but no. he was like no. So they got they got Justin Long in instead, who they who they kind of who was the cheap alternative, and he's kind of seen as someone. If you if you don't recognise Justin Long, is he he's always lovely and lovable and charming and everything he is. So seeing him play someone who's kind of lovely and charming but still a bit horrible underneath it, it is quite interesting. Um, I really don't want to give anything away. I'm interested to see what he comes up with next. Hmm. I I really had, was thinking I can't put this at number one, and then I thought, well, I ultimately I enjoyed this more more than anything else, and anything else I've seen this year. I just thought for a proper out and out four million dollar B movie to have something that showed me I gent you know did things that I genuinely never seen before and had me on the edge of my seat thinking i really don't know what's going to happen next right more please yeah <laughs> no, go go with your choice go with your choices that's that's the way isn't it what, what really floats your boat and that's fine it's just yeah. something i've seen this, this happened last time wasn't it i think it was a few films that one of us hadn't seen at all and ended up in the top five of the other <laughs> that was nobody wasn't it yeah yeah or no but best all nobody was that last year yeah, else, yeah 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 Interesting stuff. I, I, I like those kind of films. Yeah. We'll check it out. Do you know where it's is it available anywhere at the moment? So um, it's it's streaming Disney. on Disney. Yeah. If oh, you've right. got Disney, I don't know where else. It did it did get a cinema run. Um, it, it didn't really make quite a lot a lot of many people's sort of end of year lists, which I was quite shocked about. Because um, I, I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know, you know, it's it's not only it's unpredictable, but in places it is genuinely scary, and I do yeah. like that. I'd not, That's what, what a horror film should be, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think being a bit different is what you Too need. many horror films now are just predictable and, go, and, yeah. and rely on gore. This, and is not, this is not very gory. This is more suggestive. And, than and jump scares. They rely, they rely on yeah, jump scares. Yeah, well, exactly. Make a loud noise and people will jump and they'll go, ooh, they yeah. got thrilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah. The, I prefer it a bit. I prefer, you know, a proper scary kind of ghost story to the kind really? of. Well, I, I need to check that out. This I've isn't a ghost story it. by any way. But yeah. I've not this seen is... it, but I, I shall look into that, definitely. So there we go. So our top five, just to sum that up then. So I went number five, I went for Nope. I went for 13 Lives, which I need to see. Number four, I went for Blonde, which I need to see. And I went for Nope. <laughs> number three i went for living which i also need to see and i went for the banshees of inisherin which i went for at number two uh we, and for number two i went for rrr yes which is rather <laughs> rather, <laughs> rather striking and at number one i went for all quiet on the western front the remake and I, I went for barbarian yeah. yeah, which I need to see. Yeah, so that's the films we've seen and what which orders we've picked them in. So uh, I've got a list of about about te- about a dozen other films that I genuinely enjoy. Right. Well, can I just say one thing? Actually, Asian cinema in general, I think, was a little unlucky here because there's a, quite a few really good Asian films, none of which made my list. I know RRR made yours, but 
a hero by Iranian director who makes loads of social dramas, which are always really good. I don't think this is his best, but it's not far off. It's it's basically a story of social. What films that story? It's called A Hero. A Hero. Okay, yeah, I've not yeah. heard of that. And uh, it's it's a great great film. I won't say any more about it. I'll just check it out. Yeah. If, like dramas, it's set in Iran. Iran makes a lot of really interesting. Yeah, yeah, drama. yeah. There's obviously a lot going on politically there. Uh, I've watched a couple of great cartoons set about Persepolis, and there was another one a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah, it's called. There was a similar thought thing. I can't remember its name. Yeah. It was excellent as well. I can't remember the name of it now, but yeah, yeah, that was very interesting. So, a hero's great. Honestly, I, I recommend checking it out. It's about um, women's place in society and and how difficult it is and how you can how they can handle things regardless of the odds which i find very interesting um you've got uh well there's a there's a british asian story ali and ava which is like a drama comedy thing it's got um what's his name in from um uh, i can't remember the name of his name <laughs> uh, no, that, that's not oh, i haven't heard of that one either well, sorry. ali and ava anyway it's a british set story about an asian guy and uh sort of like a a white Anglo-Saxon girl, um, and just a just a good little drama. It's just nice. Okay. You've got Drive My Car, which is an again another. Yeah, thing. so I watched that actually last twenty twenty two. Yeah, I was, that was the one I was expecting you to have in your top five last year, but you didn't. Yeah, yeah. I watched. Yeah, I I I I quite enjoyed that. It, it, it that that is a three hour film that does feel a bit three hoursy, but it was brilliantly acted and really yeah. well done. Japanese yeah. film. Not bad at all. There was also, uh, just scrolling through, we've got um, uh, a couple of other things that were of Asian heritage, so to speak. So you're missing one big Asian film out, and the one that cleaned up at the Oscars and won everything last night. Everything, everywhere, all the time? Literally, everything, everywhere, all at once. Literally won every single award last night. It won about nine Oscars or something. Yeah. Um which, when I heard about it, I thought this is going to be the best film I've ever seen. This is it's science fiction and it's Asian and kung fu. This is good. This has got me written all over it. Um, I didn't really like it. I think it got hyped up quite a lot, um, and I was expecting, you know, The Matrix or something like that, but a, a kind of Asian version of it with more humour. And what I got was a bit of a confusing mess that just went on for a really long time and got me more confused. And the more confused I got, the less interested I became. Have you seen it? I have seen it, yes. And I thought there was was a lot of merit in it. Oh, yeah. A lot of things I liked about it. But I agree with you. I think um, I I saw it before it had had too much coverage. I can't say I came into it a victim of hype, but I do think it has been massively hyped up massive disproportionately hyped up yeah in general i really wanted to like that film i, so I. I love michelle yo yeah and, and jamie love... lee curtis role is, is yeah. entertaining well, she and, she uh, won an oscar michelle yo won an oscar yeah and, and Kim last seen as data in the goonies and short yeah, exactly. round in into indiana jones and Temple and he, Doom. he won an oscar as well yeah yeah that's yeah. the bit i did see supporting actor thing and michelle yo is is, is evergreen beautiful isn't she oh, what she's, fantastic. On, she's, incredible. She's, a, she's in almost everything at the moment she's brilliant yeah. in all of it yeah i i yeah. thought it was way too long i i think 
again, we've talked about long films. I thought All Quiet and the Western Front, two and a half hours, fine. RRR, a little bit long, but generally fine. I thought Blonde didn't feel long at all. Yeah. Father, which I watched again, didn't feel long. This felt long. I don't have to understand everything that's going on in the film to enjoy it. But if I don't understand anything and I get completely lost, then I start to switch off. And unfortunately, that happened, which is I will try and watch it again and I will give it another go because uh, maybe I'll it'll make more sense second or possibly yeah. third time around because I really want to enjoy it. Yeah. Another film, Korean film, Decision to Leave. I think it was from last year. Yeah. That was I haven't had a chance. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch that yet. That's the guy that did The Handmaiden. And, um, yeah. And yeah. all the other stuff. Uh, yeah. He, he's very interesting. And he did, there was a Q&A after the film screening I saw uh, where he was talking to the old boy director and it, there was all mm. really interesting stuff. And, it's too long. It is too long. Yeah. There's some really interesting stuff in it. It's a great film. It's like A Hero is a great film. Decision to Leave is a great film. Drive My Car is a great film. Decision to Leave, I love the storyline. I love the way, it, where it goes, what it does with the characters. Yeah. Um, the ending's great. I love the way they left it, the story. I just felt they could have cut probably 30 minutes out of the film. Yeah. Really. And if they had it done, I think it would have flowed better. It's, again, I won't go into the details of the story other than to say it's worth seeing. Um, yeah. But it's an interesting concept, actually, what they've gone. Again, it's kind of, it's drama-based, but it's it's got yeah. there's a police story to it and other stuff. Um, but really interesting film. I think um, that's great. And I think Korean cinema and Japanese cinema with Korea is, is all really interesting at the moment. Um so I think great stuff and RRR was the other one I was going to mention, but you've you've already. So mentioned. I've got a couple more Asian films for the list that yeah, definitely won't be on your list. Me being a bit of an action movie nut. Uh-huh. Um, I'm right. So there's a there's a small franchise, Korean South Korean franchise, uh, BM Joy Dozy. Uh, number two came out the Roundup, which is about these Korean cops. That, that that kind of hunting somebody down. I, I enjoyed that. Um, an Indonesian director that I absolutely love. It goes by the name of, uh, well, again, apologies for pronunciation, Timo, Char, Timo Charjanto. He does a lot of uh, kind of uh, Indonesian martial arts films. He's got loads. He's, well, he's Did he do The Raid? Well, that's Gareth Evans, but he, he does really? other films with a lot of the same same guys so he's done uh, he's got a few films on netflix one called the night comes for us um and there's a there's a, there's a few more um he's he does kind of um kind of kind of hong kong style indonesian action films but they are brutal they are really nasty he had a new film out that's on netflix um called the big four a kind of comedy action film is two and a half hours long. It doesn't need to be two and a half hours long, but it's the second best action film of the year after RRR. I loved it. That was great. That kind of came quite close to my uh, my list as well. So they're the other Asian ones to add. Yeah. One more I've got as well. I forgot to mention Hit the Road, which is a road movie story about a family traveling from one place to another for a reason that I won't go into, but it's to do with uh, trying to emigrate for one of the yeah. one of the characters. And uh, you've got this kid. It's a, it's a bit like Little Miss Sunshine in one sense. They're in a car, a family, lots of interaction between the generations. And again, it depicts the mannerisms, the types of um, kind of existence yeah. that you get for these characters in Iran. Really interesting film. Uh, I thought it was very good. 
and there's Fadia's Tree as well, which is interesting, which is set in Lebanon, actually. Okay. Um, it's to do with someone trying to, as a filmmaker, British, I think, who's trying to find this tree, which apparently formed a major part of this this woman's um, childhood. And she's worried about it. It's an ancient tree, and she's worried if it's still in her local neighbourhood due to all the the upset yeah. and aggravation of political turbulence that's going on there. That's quite interesting too. Yeah. yeah so one last one, last one. Um, I watched an anime uh, Japanese musical called Bell at the cinema with my daughter's last year. That was great. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was that was that was really interesting. They absolutely loved it. it yeah. On to other that. I mean, the other stuff that's come out this year, which we, we, we should definitely should mention, um, some of which is quite popular. First of all, if I can mention one that came very close to my top five, there's a film called The Quiet Girl, which is um, set in okay. the... Okay, not heard of that. It's set in the 60s you, or something. You come up with all these films that I've never heard of. Yeah, and I saw <laughs> this at the cinema. And it's yeah. set, it's filmed in Gaelic language. It's, oh, okay. I think that's pretty much, that's got to be the first time I've seen something where the whole film is just set in in Gaelic I think there's a few English words thrown in here and there but apart from that and it's about this girl who's been displaced between families and there's a there's local neighbours who are kind of like auntie-ish and uncle-ish kind of characters and they look after her for a while and it's again it's a drama but it's really interesting brilliant performances and it just puts you into a different world again uh this this different world of one one person who's slightly middle class uh the girl is from a really rough yeah. You know, multi-breeding kind of family with no kind of concept of realistic kind of finances. And so she's taken out of the equation and looked after for a while. And the father figure's interesting as well in that as well. Really, really interesting film called The Quiet Girl. I recommend it. Um, I saw that at the cinema. I saw a finished film called Compartment Number no. 6, which is about this, this woman, I think it's a Finnish tourist, I can't remember now, who's on this long, I think it's the Siberian Express or something, and there's this Russian guy who's obviously kind of ex-military or something, and they have this strange, ambiguous relationship. Uh, it's set in black and white, and they go off into this random location. And she's with him, and you're thinking, you shouldn't be going wherever yeah. the hell this is. They, they can't see where they're going when they're driving after he hires a car off the train. And it, there's some older woman who's got this strange kind of relationship with, and they all get drunk together, and then... Yeah, just it's a road movie, yeah. well, it's a train movie, but it's uh, that's quite interesting. Um, Phantom of the Open, which is quite entertaining. Um, yeah, that's a British film, isn't it? That's Mark Rylance, is it? Mark Rylance, yeah, playing. A He's guy always good value, isn't he? Yeah, and he just basically blags his way into the into the Open golf tournament, and uh, it's about it's, it's a true film. story. It's sort of in the fifties or sixties or something, isn't it? Exactly, yeah, which is quite entertaining. And he he was a re- he was essentially a con man of sorts. And he, he apparently tried to do it again years later, after yeah, when he was already famous for it, which I found quite entertaining. Um, I quite enjoyed the Batman, by the way. I know there weren't many films. Of- I was all right. I watched it and I thought, well, that was okay. And then about two weeks later, I couldn't remember a single thing about it. Well, that's that's my issue with it. Yeah, it's a somehow Colin Farrell's in it, of course, as the Penguin. Yeah, Penguin. Um, yeah, I thought Robert Robert Pattinson was all right. Yeah. You know. Um. Horror films. You mentioned your your number one. What about the Black Phone? What did you yeah, I thought the Black Phone was great. I watched that. Film. I made my kids watch that, and they loved it. We yeah, shouldn't I... say that on the podcast, uh, but <laughs> they, they they really enjoyed it. I thought that was really well done. I thought Ethan Hawke was fantastic in that. Yeah, I think it's really good film. I really enjoyed that. Um, horror film of sorts as well. I quite enjoyed Men as well. Did you see that? 
Oh, yeah, so I love Alex Garland. I loved him as an author and I love him as a science fiction director. Yeah. And the last couple of things he's done have been absolutely, I think he's been a big, big budget epic now, I think. Um, but the previous films that he'd done building up to that, um, I thought were well, the Annihilation and the Ex Machina and the TV series Devs, I thought were great. And I was really looking forward to men. And it built up, it's one of those films you, you start watching and it's quite an interesting premise where she arrives at this little village and everybody's the same person. The, all the guys she encounters is the same guy. Played by Rory Kinnear. Played Sorry, by Rory um, Kinnear. Um, Rory and it Kinnear. kind of builds up and you think, this is interesting and it, it's quite unsettling. I'm thinking, I haven't seen something like this before. I think it kind of like, it, I didn't really like where it went. It, I think no. I don't think he had a proper ending for it. And they just sort of came up with a load of nonsense. That I didn't Shame. Really make. Yeah, because it yeah. lost its play. I thought it was interesting. Rory Kinnear said something. Yeah, it built up a lot of tension. I thought that's yeah. that's great. And then it, it it messed up the landing for me. But I, I love Alex Garland. I can't wait to see what he does next. And as I said before, there's a lot of good films that didn't quite make the list, so we're never going to make the list, but yeah. they're quite interesting. There's a film called Nitram, which is Martin, spelt backwards. And it's about okay. Australian. Oh, is it Australia or New Zealand? Oh, I'm not sure now, actually. It might be New Zealand. Um, it's about this guy who's an abstract figure. He essentially gets adopted by some other, by an older woman as, as a sort of like a, a living kind of pseudo son, but it might be something sexual going on and we're not really sure. Yeah. Anyway, it turns out it's based on a true story. And this guy ended up massacring a load of people. And there's a horrific scene where he walks into a gun shop, clearly a bit of an oddball, yeah. not over, over the top oddball, but you can tell he's not quite right. And they're saying, have you got a license? Uh, we need to see your license. And he says no. And then they go, oh, well, we can probably work around that. And, you know, they're yeah, yeah, yeah. Up shooting people. The way they depict it is great because at the end, you don't see the shootout. You just see him stand up with a gun. And you don't oh, see okay. But it's, it's very low budget. It's quite kind of crash. I've heard of that one either. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Um, there's a few Scando films, which um, I've not... Um, to be honest, I can't remember much about them. There's a Danish film called Wild Men. There's a, a Norwegian I was expecting film. you to mention that worst person in the world. That, that's your sort of film, wasn't it? Oh, I've not seen that. No. Oh, okay. Fast, to be okay. honest. But The okay. Innocence, which was quite an interesting, edgy sort of a Norwegian story. Wild Man, which was a Danish story. I can't, to be honest, I can't really remember much about it, which probably doesn't sound too good. Benediction was quite an interesting little drama. You had The Duke, which was about the guy who steals the painting, Jim Broadbent playing the main role, yeah. set in the 70s was it, or 60s. Um, you've got um, Parallel Mothers, the latest from Amodovar, which is interesting. Yeah. It was I've never really got on with him, I've got to be honest. No? I was going to suggest him as our next topic. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, um, I really uh, should. I should try some more of his films, but yeah. Yeah, you have to probably take it with a certain kind of go into it with a certain yeah. mindset, I suppose. Yeah. But Parallel Mothers was to be honest, it's not his best. He's he's got better and better, and he's very Hitchcock influenced, actually. A lot oh, of okay. his music and direction. But um he's he's gone off the rails a little bit. Nightmare Alley. What did you think of that? Oh, I see I quite enjoyed that. That was right at the beginning of the year. That's the Guillermo del Toro remake of the sort of nineteen forties film noir. Yeah. It 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 was a seven out of ten for me. It was Solid, not amazingly spectacular. I enjoyed it. I thought Kate Blanchett was fantastic. I thought it, yeah. it went on. It was a film that probably could have lost half an hour and been a little bit more taut. But I thought I loved the whole the look of it and the vibe of it and the atmosphere of it. I thought were great. She's superb, isn't she? As well, Blanchett. And talking to Guillermo del Toro, I quite enjoyed Pinocchio as well. 
yeah, going to mention that as well. I thought I'd, it was quite charming. I loved, I loved yeah. the look of it. The the the, the complete uh, woodiness. They tapped into the whole woody puppet thing. Had a kind of stop motion kind of animation type look about it, didn't it? Yeah, I love that. It's it's traditional. I don't yeah. know quite resonated as much as I'd like with some of his recent stuff and the nightmare the, the curiosities cabinet of curiosities is a bit mm, oh, on yeah. drama series. Seen that, yeah but um yeah Pinocchio I really like I, I thought it was charming I thought it wasn't quite like, first rate but it was it was quite nice yeah. I like the ending as well yeah it's interesting he, he he's a boy forever and you know everyone else is going to die out and that was all quite interesting the way that worked I quite liked it um but uh, Belfast as well was good. Um, Kenneth That's Branagh. Kenneth Branagh, yeah. This is autobiography, effectively, isn't it? Um, of, of his life growing up. The only thing with that was a lot of um, Van Morrison songs, and it was a bit almost like an overkill. All of it was good; it captured the moment. But in the end, you start thinking, "Hang on, this is like a Van Morrison compilation." Slightly yeah. distracting. Um, the boy, it's great. He's so good in it. Yeah. Which is depicting Kenneth Branagh effectively as, as a yeah. child. And he's he's got all the cheeky charm of a of a quite assertive, cocky kind of Irish kid in a a, a poverty stricken neighbourhood, and it shows yeah. troubles and and all, all what's going on with that. Boiling point with um. Oh, it's the Stephen Graham one. Yeah, that's interesting. It's a they're making a TV series of that now, aren't they? Yeah, it's a single take thing of how yeah automatically hor- horrible it is trying to run a restaurant, a busy yeah. There was a, there was a brilliant TV show called The Bear that I watched this year that was a similar sort of premise that was really yeah. good, well worth a watch. Also on Disney if you got it. Yeah, um, Top Gun Maverick. Did you watch that? For? I, I got to admit, I went I went into that thinking this is going to be terrible, and I watched it with my kids, and I I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I it was cheesy and predictable, yeah. but, but it was great. They remade. <laughs> wasn't as good. It was another one that got overhyped. It wasn't as good as everybody said it is. No. But I still genuinely, I did genuinely enjoy it. They regurgitated loads of it, to be honest, including the soundtrack and the whole, the whole sensibility yeah. of the story. Um, however, I quite enjoyed it. And to be honest with you, I don't. I'm not a massive fan of the original, so I, 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 I would probably say I enjoyed this more than the yeah, original. I think I'm the same. Yeah. <laughs> which is a bit odd. Uh, Minions, did you watch that? I managed to avoid that one so far. <laughs> I quite enjoyed that. That was that was high on my list. Um, did you watch See How They Run or Glass Onion? Which is the Yeah, See How They Run. I love Sam Rockwell. I thought that was kind of a good Agatha Christie. It was... They had actually had Moaning Myrtle from the Harry Potter films playing Agatha Christie in it, didn't it? Oh, I, yeah. I quite enjoyed that. Um I thought the glass onion was great. It was another one that started started very strongly and then didn't quite finish as strongly as I would have liked. But I would like a lot more Benoit Blanc. Is it Daniel Craig's character? I'm, uh, yeah. I'm I'm happy. I'd happily watch. I thought it was better. If anything, it's better than Knives Out the first one. I, I thought it was very clever. I, I, I want more. That's interesting because I I didn't like it as much as the first one actually. Oh okay. Um, yeah, I, I did enjoy it, but I I wouldn't have said it was. Anything special. Um, but there we go. Um, only other bits to mention. There's, there's a couple of other things in here I wanted to mention. Speaking about restaurants, the boiling point thing, and uh, there was also the menu. Did you watch that? Yeah, I didn't really like that. That was an odd um, one. Guy who's it was another, you know, um, you know, I mean, it, it comes back to the All Quiet on the Western Front and when we did Westerns, and I didn't really like um, uh Pecking part, it was too bleak and nihilistic. The menu for me, I thought it was horrible, and uh, that put me off. 
I've got to, I've got to be honest. It was an interesting premise and they were good performances, but it was just it was just it was too nasty for me. I, I like a little bit of a sense of humour to balance the light and the shade. And if it's all just dark, I I don't like it. I think it's I a personal that. taste thing. Yeah, because I, I I actually found it quite interesting. It's about it's got Nicholas Holt. Oh, I thought it was interesting. I thought well, it plays this guy who's pretentiously into restaurants. Yeah. That um, menus are not just about the taste; they're about there's a narrative behind them. Yeah, not this pretentious nonsense. And Ray Fiennes is basically the flip side of the same coin. You know, this yeah. guy who's making these so-called stories through film, but he's got this um, psycho- psychopathic uh, sensibility to him and what he's yeah. trying to do. It gets very sinister. Very. Anya Taylor Joy is great. She's great in everything. Yeah. yeah. It was all shades of um, the mother, actually, a little bit of, of this, which I, I hated Aronofsky's yeah. film. But there was kind of almost bits like that. I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it, but it was nowhere near my top of the list. Um, There's a couple of Spanish films, The Good Boss and Official Competition, both with um, Banderas. They were both quite solid. Okay. Story, quite enjoyable. She said about the Me Too movement um, with um, yeah, I haven't seen uh, Samantha Morton, who's brilliant. In, in yeah, she's a, excellent. Everything. Yeah, she so got Kerry Mulligan in the main role. That was interesting. It's a good film. There's a film called Tory and Lakita, which is about immigrate some immigrants in. I think it's in Holland or Belgium. Can't remember which. And they get roped into some horrendous scenarios. It's brutal. It's a hard, cutting edge sort of yeah. drama. But if you like interesting European cinema and you don't mind a bit of punch, it's not too bad. Um, after Sons of One, that got a lot of praise. I think it ended up getting a bit overhyped. It's a story of a girl on a on a holiday trip with her dad. Yeah, split up with the mum. Yeah, that's Paul, is that the Paul Mescal one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's good. It's very honest and earnest, and it's got an immediacy and it's got a a really genuine feel to it. Interesting, kind of slightly edgy angles, and there's this constant sense of menace of. This guy, is he on the edge? Is he going to go somewhere don't want to go? And it seems to be a love letter to her memory, the character. Okay. I wonder what's happened to him. You don't, don't quite get to know what, what's gone on, but it's brilliant performances, very low budget. Yeah. Um, but it's a good story, but I just think it's one of those films which almost gets overhyped. So then you wonder, is that a bit unfair to call it overhyped? Because it's a really low budget yeah. film. So you kind of want to hype it like that. But that, yeah. that was interesting. Um and my only other ones were ones I've seen very recently. There's um, The Wonder, uh, which uh, was an interesting film with the always excellent Florence, Florence Pugh. Yeah, she's is, great. Uh, it's essentially about it's a, an obscure um, village somewhere in the British Isles where... She's uh, been doing more blockbuster fare recently. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she has, yeah. it's No, sorry, it's not British Isles. It's set in Ireland. And it's about this girl who's apparently not been eating for something like 58 days. And she seems to be, she is the wonder and yeah. a very religious community and the family are very religious. And they're, they're essentially Florence Pugh's a nurse and there's an, a nun who's also a qualified nurse. The two of them are brought over from abroad, from the mainland, from Britain, to monitor her in six, hour, no, it was eight hour shifts throughout the day. Yeah, oh, okay. In this rotation to see if she's actually eating and they can't see any evidence that she is so how is she still healthy and you see yeah. the parents come in and they're trying to give her some support and whatever else and in the end you kind of wonder some some tricks going on here that she's she must be eating somehow yeah it's all about that and has that happened and if not how is she working things out and Florence Pugh is brilliant in it 
again not much goes on but it's an yeah. interesting story um and the last three for me sorry i've got loads on this that's um, all right there's a scando film called troll not to be confused with troll hunter and this is yeah about- I have, that's on netflix i haven't had the chance to watch that yet yeah have a look see what you think it's about yeah, it looks like my sort of thing it's about a girl who's, who's been on lots of adventures in the countryside yeah. Uh, with her dad uh, as as a child, that's the first scene, and then you see her as now an adult who's a uh, she's a paleontologist or something like that. Uh, but then there's this notion of the trolls that yeah, these fantasy stories about the trolls. The mountains are the trolls, and they've yeah. been frozen and become rock. And it's somewhere in amongst all these mountainous areas in uh, Norway, presumably. Um, there might be trolls maybe reside and then do they or don't they and then something happens there's a a dynamite scenario going on with some excavation that seems to have triggered something is it a troll maybe not and oh, okay. then it goes from there but it's quite fun it's quite good yeah okay um you've also got i mentioned right at the beginning jordan peele did voice acting in wendell and wild which yeah is that's now. the henry selick one isn't it yeah yeah that's right who did Coraline and yeah Ryan. Christmas it's not a patch on those but it's about two demons that latch onto a girl to get into the real world it's all right it's passable if you've got kids have a look and the very last film I saw was last night an Australian film called The Stranger with um Joel Edgerton who you mentioned yeah and Sean Harris who's an excellent British actor who plays yeah he normally plays baddies in Mission Impossible films and things like that yeah he's played creepy characters such as Creep about this guy who's ended up living in the underground and turned into some monster, uh, effectively, yeah. a subhuman creature. Uh, and he plays a guy who's come out of jail. He's meeting someone on a coach, then gets offered some job, which is clearly something to do with crime. And it's a very odd film. It's quite edgy, and it jumps about in time, but it doesn't make it obvious where it's jumping about in time. Oh, okay. There's clearly something else going on around this gang, which isn't what you think it is. And it really keeps you guessing. In the meantime, Sean okay. Harris is this really weird character. He goes, oh, do you like music to this guy? And he said, oh, I don't really listen to music. And he puts this music on and does this weird dance going, just, just sort of like shuffling about weird angles. And he thinks, who, who the hell is this weirdo? And there's a backstory. There's some investigation going on. It's an interesting film, low-budget Australian film, typical Australian film that's a thriller, which is essentially... Yeah. It's really low budget. feels grainy and grisly. It's quite noirish. Oh, okay. I've seen that. I'll, 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 I'll check that. That's, that's on Netflix as well, isn't it? Yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. So that's my lot. <laughs> Have you got any others apart from that? Sorry. So um, comedies, um, we haven't really mentioned that many. Um, Confess Fletch, I enjoyed, with John Hamm playing Fletch. Uh, you might remember... 30 years ago, they made some fle- couple of Fletch Chevy films Chase. with Chevy Chase. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they've they kind of given it, they're based on a series of books. Uh, they, they they did a relaunch, Greg Matola directed. I really enjoyed that. It was good. It was a, a good, solid, funny comedy. John Hamm was just lovable. I want to watch a sequel. Um, I quite watch a TV series of it. Um, a British comedy, which I really enjoyed, that was, probably came quite close to being my top five, is Brian and Charles. Oh, we've not seen that yet. That's with the guy who's in Afterlife. And the yeah, other so guy. David L is in Afterlife, who yeah, he basically yeah. plays the same character, Brian, who's just this guy that just sort of lives. It's very, very low budget. He lives in his shed and he's quite lonely, so he builds an android to talk to. 
called Charles. Made um, out of a washing machine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's not laugh out loud funny. It's kind of it's just sort of it's just a really warm hearted smile of a film. I really really enjoyed that. Um, don't judge me. Um, I loved Jackass Forever. <laughs> um, if you if you just want to laugh at people being stupid, it's not really cinema, but it, it didn't half <laughs> make me laugh. Um, it was quite nice. Quite nice to see um, them laugh. Um, a thriller that I I thought was great was a film called Fool. Um, oh, I've not is, seen it. This is on Netflix, isn't it? I don't I don't know if it is. It may or may not be. Um, is it about the tower? It's a, so it's about the, so yeah. These these two girls are friends um, that like climb. They're sort of doing free climbing and climbing things. One of them's partner dies in an accident doing climbing um she's kind of not quite has a bit of a break uh friend sort of ropes her into sort of the one last climb let's climb this huge radio tower um it's quite a good story the performances are pretty good the visuals are fantastic it is genuinely vertigo inducing um it, i mean for someone like me that doesn't really like heights some of the shots in it are absolutely incredible really really well done i am um, I thought that was great. Clips of it on um, Google Box. They were talking about it on there. <laughs> uh, okay, um, I quite enjoyed Operation Mincemeat. That was quite fun. The British uh, sort of film about what happened during um, World War Two. Um, I was looking down through my lists now. Um, the Woman King was okay. It was nothing I haven't seen before, but it was I like a historical e- uh, epic. Uh, yeah, particularly somewhere, somewhat one that's set somewhere a little bit different, like you know, it's set in Africa. Um, it's pretty violent, some good action scenes. I, I quite enjoyed that. Um, I've watched a lot of other films. Um, hmm. Yeah, none of none of the others I would really recommend, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I think. There's, there's been a lot out. As I said, there's a lot of good films, but I don't yeah. think there's absolute seminal classics. But I do think. Well, I've not seen your number one, Barbarian, but um, it seems as if that that's yeah. great. And certainly All Quiet and I would say um, The Banshees of Inisherin and, and one or two of the others on there, Living as well, which I recommend seeing yeah. um, for you. It, uh, yeah, that, those those are the real standouts. I think, by the way, this year coming, I've already seen two or three really good films this year. I think okay. I've seen a few, but I haven't seen anything great yeah. yet. We'll, we'll talk about that, obviously. Yeah, uh, in a year, a year or so's time. Like you know, we've mentioned some of the films that are coming. We, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. The, yeah. Because 2020, 2022 was obviously films that were all COVID, you know, affected the long yes. schedules. Yeah. Now that we've come, kind of come, hopefully coming out of all of that, then we can start having, mm. you know, a, a lot more. I do like a big budget blockbuster. You know me. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward. I don't think it comes, I don't know if it comes out this year or next year. I'm really looking forward to the new uh, Mission Impossible film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not seen any for a while, actually. I'm a bit behind on Mission Impossible. You haven't seen Fallout? The no. last one. No. That's got, um, what's his name? You were just talking about in the Australian film. Oh, Joel Edgerton. No, the other one, the English oh, Sean guy. Harris. Sean, Sean Harris. Harris, that's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, um, oh, the most last, the last one, Fallout's the best one of the lot. 
All right, okay. But Henry Cavill in it as well. They're quite yeah. enjoyable. I've, I've enjoyed the ones I've seen. I just have. I'm, I'm a couple of films back. I think two, maybe three back on that one. But yeah, who knew you like big budget films when you put RRR at number two? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I went to the IMAX and saw Avatar, and God, I wish I had. Oh yes, we should mention that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, visually, absolutely fantastic. Mm. Um, it was, it was, I went with my kids. Um, my eldest hated it. My youngest thought it was amazing. I thought the first half an hour setting story, it was the full 3D, IMAX, everything. The first half hour setting story is quite interesting. Then it was about an hour, hour and a half of just boring, nothing really happening. And the last hour action was all right, but it went on too long. Again, too long. I think James Cameron. I've I've got, I've got a um a love hate relationship with James Cameron. Oh, his early, is, I, I love two of his films. And I hate I love the Terminator too. <laughs> the two Terminator films and Aliens and yeah. True Lies. Yes. But, if we did James Cameron top fives, I wouldn't have five. <laughs> but I have got three or four decent, generally decent. I ones. see. My number five would be Piranha Two: The Spawning, which is yeah, way above Titanic and Avatar and all of that. <laughs> may, may I just bitch away here for a moment? Titanic. I mean, everyone loves that, and it, I think it, um, it, it panders to a certain audience, doesn't it? A younger audience. But I just think I, I think I'm miscast as a pair. I think the Billy Zane stuff was completely unnecessary. I, I hate that film. That's the only film I've ever. It's the only film I've ever walked out of at cinema. I, I really forward. walked out of it. You would. I was on the. I was on the first out. date as well. I didn't get a second one. <laughs> that was a perfect date movie film. <laughs> oh, I couldn't handle it anymore. Absorb a lot of ocean. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think they nicked a load of the shots from Night to Remember directly, which irritated me. There are two or three amazing set piece bits in it, and one or two other yeah. bits, uh, one or two other scenes which are good. Other than that, and the score's good, but I can't stand Cillian Dion, so the song I hated. Yeah. I, I just didn't like the film. But anyway, well, we won't rant about that too long. No, exactly. Maybe for another another day, we can have a very short episode and do James Cameron. <laughs> take that I see. I could go on about True Lies for ages. I loved that film. Yeah, that's not There's bad. There's a TV series of it coming out this week, but it's not supposed to be very good. Okay, we'll stick with the film on that one. What we are doing next time, just to round off, is... Yeah, uh, we we're moving to, to the other other, other end of the spectrum, yeah. Yeah, it is a director. It's not James Cameron, we can now reveal. But it is going to be... We're going We're going for a biggie. We're going for a big one, aren't we? We're going to cross one of the other big, big, big boys off the list, yeah. Apologies, it is another old white man, but... I mean... <laughs> That's all we right. did Ang Lee as the last director that we did. We will try and mix it up as much as we can. Was Ang Lee after Billy Wilder? I can't remember now. I oh, know oh, we did Billy Wilder, yeah, the last one. Yeah, last no, one. Ang Lee was before that, wasn't it? Yeah. So it is going to be, Phil? We're going to do Stanley. Stanley the man. I've got Stanley. to admit, I'm not a massive fan of his, but I'm looking forward to... I, some of his films have left me a bit cold, and I haven't watched a lot of them in a long time. So I'm quite looking forward to going back and hopefully rediscovering and taking stuff out of... I mean, when we watched The Killing, when we were doing the heist films, I really enjoyed that. So I'm hoping... Yeah, that's a good film. I'm, yeah. a bit more, I'm a bit more grown up than I was when I watched some of his other films and I can enjoy them a lot more. Yeah, Stanley Kubrick's films do give a sense of coldness, actually. I think that's part of what he does because he's such a meticulous perfectionist all the yeah. other stuff it, it just lends itself to that but he's made some classics of course yeah 2001 i'm spartacus i'm going to try not to do that too much when yeah. we did a podcast i'm sorry <laughs> but um who, who's spartacus are you spartacus i'm spartacus i thought i was spartacus 
Anyway, more on that next time. Yeah, thank you very, very much for listening. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much. Uh, as always, you can follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter. It's film. It's at Film Fives One or uh, Film Fives Pod. I think it is on on Twitter. Yeah. We're on Facebook as Facebook, well. Facebook Film Fives. Yeah. Have a listen if you haven't heard our back catalogue. Don't bother. No, no. Uh, please do. No, please. It's all it's it's all gold. It's all gold. Absolutely. Speaking of gold, we've got to do a golden seagulls at some point soon as well. Just we to do. Yeah. Update yeah. Our, uh, our well halls of honour kind of. Uh, stuff really proper awards it's not yeah. one per year it's just what deserves to be a a gold yeah seagull. exactly seagulls being because we're both originally from the coast there we go and you're st- you still are phil yeah you still are on that but on that note we shall sign off so um thank you to phil thank you to our listeners thank you uh, i'm russell he's phil we'll be back next time with stanley kubrick until then come. i'm spartacus <laughs> i'm spartacus Cut! <laughs> <laughs>